0: Thank you.
1: Of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And
2: I'm Manny Manuel. And I'm Duncan Smith. Well, who, sorry, who was the second guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real quick. That, that fucked me up. Though. Listen, wow. you know, I fucked up my
1: fair share of intros, <laughs> but usually you're a sure thing. That was, that was pretty crazy. Wow. That was, that,
3: uh, besides that, welcome back, Duncan.
1: Yeah. Thank you for continuing, having me back. Continuing his uh, tenure on the
3: show. Yeah, his, yeah. his one week tenure. Yep. Yeah. His,
1: uh, what did I call it last time when Wes was on? His, um, uh, There's Residency. Ah, there's yes. Residency. Oh, residency, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like when Elvis uh, played in Vegas. He had a Residency. Yeah. Although that was a little bit sadder,
3: according to the Elvis movie. We uh, we wrapped up uh, an extra long version of Real Talk uh, mm-hmm. earlier tonight, and now we're diving into a movie that uh, that Duncan picked for our 1997. Yes, and, I did. Uh, super excited, but we're super
2: excited to have you back. Yep, yeah, as am I. I love being here. You both are awesome hosts, and this is uh, this is great. It's been good, it. fun so far. But yeah, it's it been great so far. Well, let's, hope, let's
1: hope for some bloodshed during this one. I want like just full, just full arguing and uh, and just pure chaos. Okay, for this one. So let's yeah. see if we can get there. I don't know how we're you
2: feel about this, about this point. movie. So, <laughs> all right, I feel like I have some dissenting views to the film we're about to discuss. So <gasps> I'm looking forward to hearing okay. what you think.
3: Okay. Well, let's get into it then. Let's do it. All right. We're reviewing The Fifth Element, released May 9th, 1997, directed by Luc Besson, Uh, written by Luc Besson and Robert Mark Kamen, starring Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, and Gary Oldman, has a Metascore of 52, a Letterbox score of 3.7. Those are very different. Uh, It had one Oscar nomination for Best Sound Effects Editing. It also garnered two Razzie nominations. Uh, Worst Supporting Actress for Mila Jovovich. Wouldn't she be the lead?
1: Yeah, I guess
3: it's a- it's her story, mm-hmm. right? A- Whatever. Uh, and worst new star for Chris Tucker, but comes with a double bill. You new got,
1: star for Chris Tucker. This is sort of a debut, I guess.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, so really? it's. I He's getting nominated because of his appearance in this film and in a movie called uh, Money Talks. Yeah, Razzie's kind of combined yeah.
1: movies for the same nomination. Right? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, it had a budget of seventy-five million dollars. It grossed uh, sixty-three in the U.S., making it the twenty-sixth highest-grossing film, but two hundred and sixty-three worldwide. So this movie made up for it uh, uh, over in Europe and, yeah. uh, and across the globe.
2: Yeah, like, where does that number rank into like other films? Like, is that like two sixty-three? Yeah. Is that unfortunately?
3: Quite a lot? I can't get accurate global rankings yeah. uh, with the website I use, I can get very accurate The director, Luc Besson, rankings. is pretty
1: well known in France, so I have to imagine they did pretty well over there. Do cool. you remember
3: the other movie of his we reviewed? I did, and I'm going to talk about that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the plot <laughs> Sp- in the colorful... Speed 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jean de Bon. Uh, plot. In the colorful future, a cab driver unwittingly becomes the central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr. Zorg at bay. Sam, your spoiler-free thoughts on The Fifth Element.
1: All right. Uh, I've got a fair amount of context to get into, so just bear with me. I know we're already late tonight. but no. so, <laughs> I want to get into some context here. So, um, the other movie Manny was just referring to, the other movie of this director we've reviewed, is Leon the Professional. I don't know if you've heard of that or if you've seen on it.
2: The very high on the list, actually. Sorry? It's very high on my, on my list to watch. Okay, but you haven't seen it yet. No, I've okay. not seen it.
1: So, Leon the Professional. Episode 18. Episode 18, early on. Um... Leon the Professional is a movie that Manny... Back in those days, we were just kind of choosing movies we thought the other would like. Uh, Manny chose Leon I had never seen it before. Um, it, to this day, has the distinction on my Letterboxd as the film with the highest average rating. So it's got, uh, last time I checked, a 4.0 on Letterboxd. The okay. film with the highest average rating on Letterbox that I have given a failing grade to. Uh, That is the distinction that it has. I did not care for Leon the Professional. I liked aspects of Leon the Professional. Interesting. Um, But I did not care for it. It And the reason I bring this up is because it's the same director. And one of the problems that I had, one of the main problems, is that there's a very young Natalie Portman in that movie. She's 12 years old, both the character and the actress, I believe, 12 years old. Um, Her character is quite sexualized in the movie, which uh, felt, for lack of a better term, a little yucky to me. Okay. Didn't really like it, and it gets even yuckier because Luc Besson, who's the director, based that story off of the real relationship that he had with his second wife, I believe. Uh, the movie is about a 30-something man who uh, befriends a 12-year-old girl, and he based it off of the relationship that he had with his second wife, whom he started dating when she was 15 and he was in his 30s. So, um, The more I learn about Luc Besson, the more I disliked him so anyway that's my context coming in is that i knew that the director of fifth element was the same guy who directed this movie that is critically acclaimed but i just couldn't kind of get past this one glaring problem yeah, yeah. that i had with it um uh, where to go from here oh also a uh, context that i knew about this person uh is that while he was making this movie he started a relationship with Mila Mila Jovovich, um, who is the female star or female supporting actress, (laughs) depending on on who you ask. (laughs) Which, um, I mean, on its own, is not like the worst thing that a human being has ever done, but in context of maybe him abusing some power dynamics in the past with dating younger women, has, again, makes me feel a little bit yucky. Uh, So all of that to say, um, I was not predisposed to like this movie. I was kind of uh, I have not really connected with this director in the one film that I've had and anything about anything I read about his personal life leads me to believe he's not a good dude uh, and not somebody whose worldview I want to see reflected in a movie. Um, on top of that, I watched this uh, on my day off uh, this week which was Wednesday and I was kind of having a shitty day <laughs> just in general. so I was not in the mind space to watch a movie. That was, to my knowledge, good. Turn your brain off, fun. You know, I was not really in the mind space for it. With all of that said, I didn't really have a great time watching this movie. I uh, there were aspects of it that were supposed to be good, campy, fun, and I just couldn't get myself in the mind space to laugh along with the stuff I was supposed to be laughing along with. Um, the portrayal of every woman in this movie is. Like, everyone is reduced to their sexuality. I guess we have Mila Jovovich, who is basically a basically a child in a grown woman's body, but uh, given the body of a very very beautiful, very sexy grown woman. in Mila Jovovich, why Luke Basson would have the mind of a child in the body of a full grown woman, I will let you reach your own conclusions about. I certainly have my opinions, um, but regardless, to say his worldview kind of came to view. Or, I felt that I caught a glimpse of his worldview in this movie and I didn't really like it. Uh, So that was unfortunate with all of that said, uh, this is clearly a lot of fun in regards to the, the spaceships, the aliens, the effects, the mixing of um, the mixing of practical effects and makeup with uh, CGI, which still would have been pretty much in its infancy at this point in film. Uh, It's utilized in a really tasteful way that doesn't age particularly poorly. The movies that you go back and watch now uh, where the CGI's is age of the worst is where it's being used as the primary um, mode of, uh, of effect, let's say. But using it in tandem with other practical effects, with real makeup and real people and real, real sets, is a really effective way of using it. And I, I felt that was all very good. Um, much of the stuff that was supposed to be fun came off as annoying for me. Um, so Chris Tucker, uh, if you read through any of the Letterboxd reviews... Many people are saying this is a career defining performance for Chris Tucker. No wonder he blew up after this. I just I found him irritating from the get go, and I, I couldn't get on board with it. Um, so so yeah, that is an unfortunate thing about the Fifth Element. I admire the ambition to create this big this big world, uh, full of full of characters, but um I found this to be on the same level as like Hudson Hawk, and not in a fun way. <laughs> You know, I, I found the dialogue to be pretty cringy. And I found Bruce Willis's character to be basically the same character in Hudson Hawk. Just like a, a, a grab bag of cliches uh, that uh, worked to varying degrees. It's not to say I didn't enjoy anything. This has Gary Oldman in it, who was also the only thing I enjoyed about Leon the Professional as well. Or one of the only things I enjoyed about Leon the Professional. Does great work here as well as another villain, as Zorg. Which, <laughs> Zor- the name Zorg is a great um segue just to at least mention that Luc Besson started writing this script when he was in high school, mm-hmm. apparently, is a is a good place to start there. It comes off that way a lot. Having a alien supervillain named Zorg is is a, a great a great indication of that. Just the following year in nineteen ninety eight we would have Zerg in uh, Toy Story Two as well, which is kind of funny. Uh yes. <laughs>
3: um so isn't, yeah, I mean But isn't Zerg mentioned in Toy Story One? Yes. Yeah. Yep,
1: the, the evil emperor. That's a good catch. Yeah. So uh, the fact that um, I don't know, just a lot of the a lot of the character names, a lot of the character, a lot of the persona, and uh, I, I don't know, just something about this movie really irked me from the get go, and it just could not recover. So that's that. I didn't enjoy nothing about it. It 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 certainly had its charms, and I can see why people are overall charmed by it. It wasn't it for me, and I realize this is probably not a great vibe to start the episode on. I hope at least one of you liked it, so that we can uh, maybe have a little bit of a uh, debate about it. Um, we did have Wes on the podcast a few weeks say, ago. I'm
3: like, we're not hoping for another kundan Yeah,
1: so we had Wes on to talk about this movie called kundan by Martin Scorsese about the Dalai Lama, okay. <laughs> and uh, all three of us gave it a two. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so it was just kind of us shitting on a movie for a little bit. Um, yeah. I. I hope uh that one of you enjoyed it not just so we can have debate on the podcast but also because i just i hope you guys had a better time than me like there is a lot of fun to be had there i recognize Mm it um it just wasn't had by me so I'll, i'll leave it there and we'll get into maybe specifics um and i think we are on to duncan if i'm not mistaken
3: you bet duncan
2: um i i couldn't feel any more similar to you okay you know, I feel a little bit
1: vindicated at least. I f- I feel like I'm not taking crazy pills anymore.
2: <clears throat> no, no, no. So, actually, the context you gave to the director really made me kind of look at the film in a different way. Like, even when you said he started writing it when he was a teenager in high school, like it kind of, I'm not saying it explains, like gives more context to like why maybe the female characters are portrayed as they are. You know, like even with the portrayal of a, a futuristic society, like to me it just it doesn't seem like. I don't know. I hate to use the word childish because it's not childish, but it seems uh, young, young, like a young interpretation of what the future is, you know. And I think you see it a lot with like Chris Tucker's character, where uh, I don't know what you would call it, but like the the assumption that like things that are extravagant and like expensive have like this like loud dude who's like always so hype. It's like that's not... Like, if I spend a lot of money to do something, the last thing I want is a loud-ass fucking dude around me all the time announcing shit. Like, I'd want someone just to be not that. So, like, he also, though, for me, was a point of the film that, like, his character was, like, like just trying too hard. Like, really fell flat for me. And I didn't... uh I was excited to see him on the... On, like, the actors, like, the list. And when I saw him on screen, I was like, man don't be on it like don't just get off the screen you know i didn't i didn't like him on the screen it wasn't a good part of the movie for me bruce Willis's character was was uh was a plus i thought yes it was cliche but at the same time those things or those clichés and those like <laughs> moments where you kind of like laugh are what got me through the film you know um start to finish it uh, starts off strong in my opinion really gets you in with the mystery and like the world building in a sense and then it kind of just like you know goes somewhere I, yeah like kind of I don't It didn't really put around to say but like it I felt like it was so front heavy and it felt so good when I started it and at the end you're like oh okay like it was it was fine I don't know Like, it, it's a good movie I don't want to say it was it was bad but what I have heard of it previously to watching it was i thought it was going to be like uh not to compare it to like like the matrix or something but i thought it was going to be like like like, like changing like like people saw this movie and they're like we have to do movies like this for now like i thought it was industry changing critically acclaimed like a cult classic even i like thought but i just didn't get any of those vibes from it and it just kind of maybe it was my own story belts in my head about the the stuff around it you know like all this all this story around it but it really kind of just was was average for me. It wasn't anything good. It wasn't particularly bad. It was just a movie. Yeah.
1: Okay. Two uh two uh underwhelming uh yes. responses to the uh, to the film right away. Many uh any hope for us at all? <laughs> any hope for us
3: here? Both of you guys didn't quite mention it, but it was kind of implied that this was both your first watch of this film. Oh yeah, that's
1: very yes. true actually. Yes. So um I'll. Uh, I gave a lot of context about Leon. I didn't mention... I mentioned this to... I know you know this, Manny, and I actually mentioned it to Duncan Off Air. Um, My entire experience with this film, um, other than what I've heard about it, is that I put it on once, probably, like, seven or eight years ago. Um, And I can't remember why, but I couldn't finish it. I only got through, like, the first 10, 20 minutes. It wasn't like I was so bored by it that I had to turn it off. I think I had to leave to go somewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, unexpectedly. Um, But, yeah, so I had seen, like... The scene that takes place in Egypt in the movie. Yep. Um, and then maybe, Spoilers. maybe a little bit after that. And then, uh, and then yes. that was basically
2: it. Yeah. So, yeah, it is my first time, but in the past two days or three days, I've watched it almost three times. Oh. So, yeah, I want to be prepared for today. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like one time. But not even thinking about the questions next time taking a bit of notes and the third time is completely ammo honestly cool. if you
1: have the time that is a good way to do it because yeah. like there it's a very different experience like watching and consuming a film just like just yes. because just to watch a movie um, than it is to like dissect it take notes on it like yeah. think about why you liked it what you liked
3: about it what you didn't like all that sort of stuff all right i just wanted to clear that up so the listeners could understand okay uh, I've always enjoyed this movie. I saw, I saw it in theaters back in 1997. One of my favorite memories of this, actually, uh, I can't remember the movie I was at, but it would have probably been late 96, maybe early 97. I was in the theater, and the trailer for this came on. This is the like along the heights of Bruce Willis's fame and popularity. And the movie starts... I, I, I should have brought up the trailer, but there... Um, if you guys can remember the shot of when he's in the cab after an accident has occurred mm-hmm. and he looks this he pans from right to left to look to, at the police cruiser that's outside uh that's the shot that, that's the first appearance of bruce willis in the trailer and it's the only time it's ever occurred in my movie going experience the theater cheered for a trailer for, a trailer, for his appearance that's awesome. it was fucking weird and i remember like fuck yes I would give anything for that to happen nowadays. So I do remember that. I saw this in the theaters, and I was completely entertained by it. As the years have gone by, I have watched this numerous times. Again, I probably – I'm not sure how much you listen to the podcast or not, but my whole 90s and probably the first half of the 2000s, I only watched movies. I didn't watch any TV. I was constantly watching movies, and this was before streamers, so I could only watch ones I owned. So I would just rewatch movies over and over and over and over again, and this was on heavy rotation. Uh, I've always enjoyed this movie. I kept putting off a rewatch of this because I knew that we were reviewing it for the podcast, and so it's probably good, It's probably been about a good eight years, if not more, since I've rewatched this. So on this rewatch, I think I was the same mindset as Sam. I didn't enjoy this as much as I used to. And I think it's because what I'm hoping for from an action adventure film is a little bit more than what this movie was providing. And this movie did come across. You kind of didn't want to say it, but you certainly did. This movie comes across as a little bit more childish than I remember. The dialogue wasn't quite as strong as I remembered it. Not that I ever thought this was like great dialogue, but I don't remember being it this week. The other thing, though, this movie carries a lot of – I can't quite re- put my, a, a, a label on what I'm trying to. It's like nostalgia. It's a shared joke is basically uh, one of my former coworkers, Brian. Uh, he really likes this movie, and him and I would throw quotes from this movie. Most of them being either from Ruby Rod or from Lilu, And they, those quotes, when he would say them, would make me smile. So I have a lot of residual joy from this movie because of inside jokes with friends. So I've always had a good time with this movie. But this movie wasn't as good as I remembered it being. That's my spoiler-free thoughts. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. All right. We'll have some fun with it. I uh, think we will. Do you want to take us into spoilers, Duncan?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: do you remember the thing you have to say? Yeah, but you count it down first, right? I just don't scream out loud right now. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I was supposed to say.
3: You gotta give the you gotta give the spoiler warning.
2: Um. Oh, like okay. Uh, we're gonna talk about spoilers in the movie now. So yep. if you haven't seen the movie um Stop listening. Um, hopefully, when you finish watching the film, you pick up where you left off. Uh, it's going to be lots of fun after this, um, but there are spoilers coming. Oh, three, two, one, go! Fuck yourself. There it nice. is. Well done. Yeah. Well
3: done. All right, Sam. Perfect. What scene are you picking for us to discuss first? Yeah,
1: where do I want to go here? um Why don't I start? I'll start with the aforementioned opening scene in Ooh. Egypt. Okay. Um, uh, this uh, I I have no problems with this, so that's uh, a good place to start. I actually uh, got a, a good laugh. One of my uh, not like a not like a hard laugh, but a good chuckle. Um, Aziz Light is a, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a really good gag, and not only Aziz Light, but the the tally, the, the running tally yes. of how many times yes. he says Aziz Light is actually uh, that was a, that was a good laugh. Aziz
3: him. Light is one of the quotes. Sadly, I didn't include it in my quotes later, but that's one of the many quotes that my friends and I would say. Yeah, it was uh, that's funny.
1: it was certainly a good one. Uh, so um. The opening scene uh, certainly sets up the mysticism of the whole thing, sets up the mythology of, of the whole thing. Um, one of the things that I didn't really allude to, um, maybe uh, maybe Duncan felt the same way, although you both have now seen the movie several times, so maybe you don't feel the same way. I found this movie to be incredibly convoluted. <laughs> uh, like There's a lot of moving parts and a mm-hmm. lot of characters and interactions and plots and side plots um so at this point in the movie i'm just going okay there's there's some stones we're basically doing uh, guardians of the galaxy slash avengers here we're just gathering up the stones and we're collecting them for great superpower against evil. I'm like, okay i can get that so at this point in the movie the first 10 minutes i'm i'm, I'm feeling good okay um i'm not exactly loving anything uh i think the look of the uh the aliens sorry uh, the Mondashi one yep that? correct oh, nailed it wow well. <laughs> That was actually off the top. I don't even have that in front of me. That's great. Um, the look of the Monde one is is pretty nice. This is what I'm talking about with um the the character design, the costume design. Um, I have to imagine that is a um an animatronic. No, is there a person in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that is uh some surreal costuming. Um, so you have to respect the ambition for that. I just wanted to bring your attention to uh, bring attention to this because um I think it's a it's actually a reasonably good setup for the the plot of the movie mm-hmm. and it does a, it does a good job of what it's uh, supposed to do which is set the tone kind of mixing the the ancient uh with the with the futuristic uh it's uh it's setting that very well and then we get the time not important only life important um as his hand gets shut in and into the gate so um promise i, I wanted to at least uh reflect on this moment of promise. Before, uh, before Chris Tucker before, it all, came, <laughs> yeah. before it all came tumbling down, Before it all
2: came tumbling down at least. Interesting. Um, okay,
3: it, 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 Duncan, your thoughts on the opening scene?
2: Um. Well, that that was one of my scenes. I'll start right there. Actually, sure. I picked the opening scene because with everything you said, I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. It sets up. <laughs> yes, before it comes tumbling down, I guess is a good way <laughs> to think about it. But it does set up this like mysticism of like what you're about to get into. And I really like the idea of like you know I just think the setup of someone reading like hieroglyphics and having like the aliens appear behind them is like really an interesting thing to happen because you know there's been a countless movies that we've seen where people are trying to read hieroglyphics and like you know you never and it, you never know what they mean because like the person who wrote them is ever there but like in this case obviously in this it's the scene that plays out we don't they're not reading them to them but the person who created these essentially is there, you know, so it's kind of it's kind of an interesting dynamic to be like, holy crap, this is kind of it's kind of cool. And I put myself in the in the in the shoes of the of the, um, uh, like I guess he's an archaeologist, we could say, right? Um, about like you know what an experience for him to go through to like you know study these aliens or this this world that he's unaware of, and then to have it like confront him right in right off the get-go. Um, so I looked at this scene. Uh, without knowing what was coming after, and I tried to and like look at it critically to be like, this actually is quite an interaction and it does leave the door open for a plethora of avenues to go down for a movie. you know you really it could have gone it could have been anything because it it's just, it just really left you scratching your head. what do these aliens mean? Where are they gonna go? How's it tied into the story? And for me, it was like it was a really good way to start a film. It absolutely set the bar off super high. Like, my expectations at this point, after watching this scene when the spaceship flew away, skyrocketed. I was like, holy crap, this is going to be mind-bendingly awesome. I can't wait to watch this unfold. That's how this opening scene made me feel. And just utter disappointment later on. Uh,
3: I've always enjoyed the (laughs) opening scene. Uh, I don't know what your guys' connection to Luke Perry is. Minimal. Minimal? Okay. Uh, It was kind of a big deal that he was in this. And then, kind of a big deal that he's not in it anymore. <laughs> After this, uh, he was a pretty big star. Oh, at that you s- know
1: what? I saw his name in the cast list, and I was trying to rack my brain, I'm like, who was he? Like, I just watched this movie. Who the fuck was he? So he was the the younger of the archaeologists. Yes.
3: Okay. I'm yeah. Good. Yeah. So he's <laughs> running high on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and I I'm not sure if the show was still going at this point or if it had ended, uh, but it's pretty close. And yeah, so that that was a. a pleasant surprise in the theater not that I, I i actually legitimately don't think i've ever seen an episode of that because it was tv and i didn't watch tv in the 90s mm-hmm. but um i agree i think it sets it up fine i've always found it amusing though uh even back then that the Monoshiwan are the protectors uh, uh against this army of darkness or this Evils and they're uh, incapable of moving at a high speed, so (laughs) they're they're just like if you grab that key and ran, they will never get it back. Like, it they are they are not built uh, for speed or for anything whatsoever. It's like it's like there's someone in
2: that suit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So it was uh,
3: that that was something I always kind of scoffed at is that they're. They're not – the design of them and the look of them is super fucking cool. Like, super cool. But the realistic application of those people in the real world is pretty hilarious to think about. Um, But, yeah, it's a good pick. Good pick. All right. Duncan, what scene would you like to discuss next?
2: Uh, The scene – okay, so more specifically, the interaction of uh, – lilu breaking the glass when she's first created
3: okay so lilu being built that whole being, scene? yeah
2: that whole scene like the like what really actually set this point off for me is when the the doctor or the scientist like whispers to himself like perfect yeah you know and like it kind of just uh sets up the idea that like what you're about to see in front of you is this like perfect being you know it's like crazy like oh my gosh can this is happening and then uh like the general or whatever is like you know is that is that safe? Is that unbreakable? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, totally safe. And then you go down there and then she punches through the glass to like punch him in the stomach or grab him. Or I can't remember what she's actually... She's, she, grab, she grabs his kid's keychain so she can get out. Yes. She grabs that. And right away you're like, all right. Holy crap. This person just broke through this glass. Like, you know, again, coming off of what we just watched, um, actually the scene in between the starting, you know, like the, the middle... Uh, the scene when they when they shoot the the machine went down. No, the the orb, the the big orb. But that's not the machine, is it?
3: Oh no, no, no that's yeah, that's the, that's the darkness or whatever yeah, the dark, the, the orb thing they're shooting. The grows. Yeah. and it's
2: crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just to me again at this point the bar is getting even higher. You know, like this mm-hmm. girl's created. She's perfect. She punched through the glass that's unbreakable. Like what is what can this girl do? You know, like it just was like wow, unbelievable. And then again, I. I'm. I'm not. Again, I'm not gonna critique like the logistic science behind it, but like it seemed kind of cool to see how they constructed the body in this pod. Like I'm always intrigued by like how movies back in the day portray these hyper futuristic scenarios, mm-hmm. and I actually thought it was like kind of fun and cool. I was like, all right, so far so good. You know, um, I just think it's like it's a pivotal scene in the movie, seeing her created, and again, it only further sets the bar high into like where is this really gonna go yeah yeah cool sam
1: yeah i think at the, at this point uh i was already kind of raising a quizzical eyebrow i was like uh, where where are we going here?" Because we'd already passed the scenes of like uh the president uh and his generals firing at the the great evil mm-hmm. uh which was varying levels of fun i guess um <laughs> I, I i'm still i'm still in in salvageable territory at this point in the movie. And I, I I have a good enough time with uh, the Mila Jovovich um, escape. Um, This, I think is a pretty good example of childish writing when you have for some, I can't really uh, explain why, but something about having a character go, this glass is unbreakable. And then having a character punch through it. Just seems like something I would have thought was really cool when I was yeah. fifteen. <laughs> like, well, you you yeah. know
2: what he said it, he was like the glass will break with my head. I was like, well, yeah. I know what we're about to yeah, watch. Exactly. You know, like you yeah. don't say that, yeah.
1: Unless, unless you're about to watch the glass get yes. broken. So I don't know. Some, um, at this point, I was already kind of um, there were aspects of the dialogue that really stood out to me as a little bit silly. Let's yeah. say a little a little bit silly, and um, I frankly wasn't in the mood to have it. But um, no qualms with the with the escape itself. I mean, she does break through the wall of this, like, high-security bay. It's, like, made of, like, tinfoil or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, but, you know, uh,
3: you, you can look if, if it was a movie I was
1: having more fun with, it's the kind of thing I would would have looked past, for sure. So. Totally.
3: We, and we've talked about that before. When yeah. you're having a good time with a movie, you overlook small details. When you're not enjoying a movie, you're like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, those walls are made of tinfoil. That would never happen. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> Least uh, realistic movie about the year twenty two sixty ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've always actually enjoyed this this scene, and I had this on my list as well. Uh, I I love. I think especially for ninety seven, the special effects of Li Lu being reconstructed, I think were magnificent. Uh, basically, it's a three D printer, is what it is. Yeah. yeah, and I loved it that it's putting the bones
2: together. Yeah, and that I like, uh, I like the layers of the head as he saw them getting stacked. I was yep. like, oh my god, that's crazy cool. Yeah,
3: I, I thought this was great. Uh, even back then in '97, was before I worked there and before I had done anything, but I always loved uh, when they slide the protector on and they bombard it with solar, like he calls it something else. It's basically shining UV light on yes. this body to make it grow skin, and uh-huh. <laughs> and well, that's what our skin is—is is its protection from UV light. That's how that's why we have it. And so I always thought that was awesome. And yeah. this time again, after I had a tanning salon, I was like. That's exactly what our skin is. It's our protection against ultraviolet light. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought it was awesome. Found it awesome again. Um, Mila Jovovich is a very attractive woman. And in 97, I would have been 21. So she was really fucking attractive. And I always enjoyed... Still
2: still really attractive. I'll say it as well. For the listeners out there, Definitely. still very hot.
3: Yeah. Um, I always enjoyed... We'll get into it later... We'll see. Uh, her athleticism has always been admirable. She, I watched a, uh, the Resident Evil movies. I, I think I watched a, one or two of them, and
2: that's the same person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thought so. <laughs> one of those thoughts. I didn't want to say it aloud to you both in case it no, wasn't. That's, that's cool. <laughs> but that was I was like, that's, that's uh, yeah. I would,
1: I would argue. Um, those are probably the two things she's most well-known for, as being Lilu from Fifth Element and uh, whatever her character's name is from Resident Evil. Yeah,
3: I have no idea what her character's name in Resident Evil, but yeah, 100%. Um, she, while this is early in her career, obviously, she does get a lot better in regards to... Well, the, the fight choreography in this film is extremely weak, um, and Miljovic doesn't quite sell it enough, so it's hard hard to buy into some stuff later on but in this scene where I don't know if it's her the ones doing the backflips or not but seeing her when she's running and stuff it's believable there are a lot of times when I've seen both actors and actresses run and I'm like you're not very fast for real life (laughs) 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 you are not Tom Cruise Uh, so but I've always I've always enjoyed uh, I've always thought this scene was really great like the special effects her being reconstructed at the time in 97 was it fucking blew my mind.
1: I actually I actually thought that effect was pretty cool. That's a good example of while I while I could tell, of course, it was CG, um, in the context of the scene with all of the set being real and all the people in the proper costumes, it's totally believable. And mm-hmm. it's uh, like, I have no problem with CG aging in this way because in the context of the scene, in the context of the movie, it, it still looks pretty good, all things considered.
0: Yep.
3: Uh, I'm up next, right? My turn? I believe so. Cool. It's the very next scene. Lulu escapes. Uh, in the theater, and every time I've watched this, I love her escape. Her walking out on the edge of the building. You see how high these buildings are. You see this. While it it hasn't aged the greatest, the outdoor CGI of, I don't even know what city they're in. Does it say? Is it New York? I think it's Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn. Um, whatever city it is. If you can just remove yourself and just remember this is '97, that CG looks really great. It obviously doesn't hold up to the the standards that we have now, but I think it felt really. It kind of has maybe one of the reasons I like. It has a bit of a comic book look, and uh, it looks really great. Um, as soon as the the moment was about to arrive, it reminded me of another movie. But when she dives off the edge of the building. It reminded me of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse when Miles jumps off. Uh, yeah. Far superior shot, far and <laughs> movie, <laughs> far superior. But it, it, they were, it, it gave me the reminder. And when it was about to happen, I immediately started looking. I'm like, did, did Spider-Man rip it off? Like, is it gonna look the same? And then it, it doesn't. But it, it brought that, that, that shot in fucking into the Spider-Verse is fucking unreal. Mm-hmm. Um. She lands in uh, Corbin Dallas's cab, and this is where this is where I'm feeling probably a lot of disconnect might be, or or some differences will be to me. I think she's fucking adorable. Her the divine language, uh, which I'll get into later. Uh, they actually did invent her and Lupin invented together. Uh, she. The way she's speaking it, it is extremely apparent that they did actually create something because it does not sound like gibberish. There's numerous times where someone's speaking an, an alien language where I'm like, you're not really saying anything, you're just making sounds. The way she inflects everything and in that came across as nice. This is part of the, this is one of the famous, air quote famous quotes amongst fans is the is the big bada boom, and she completely. She, in 97, completely won me over with it. I found it completely fucking adorable. Now I find it nostalgically cute, and it just reminds me of me and my friends constantly saying, big bada boom. Um, Her, because she's the supreme being and all that, she is much like other chosen ones. She is learning at an accelerated rate. Her reading, please help, and trying to say it I enjoy. Uh, the moment the chase begins, that I don't know what it what the what the fusion is, but it's like the techno and East Asian yeah type I, of music. I agree. Fucking loved it. Yeah. I loved it back then. It was unlike anything I'd ever heard in '97. It was something brand new. Mm-hmm. Where someone like Luke Pasano, who comes from Europe, you know. That type of music is probably sweeping through. like They're not that far from Turkey and from Serbia where that type of music is probably heard a lot more. But for me in North America, uh, I fucking loved it. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Hearing it again just brought back that joy for me. I think it's a great moment of score in this film. The car chase scene is decent enough for what it is. It's fine. I do love that when... Uh, Corbin Dallas flies down. She smashes into the the divider. I fucking always get a little giggle out of it. Not a huge laugh, but I'm like, that's a nice touch. A lot of times they won't do something like that, but um, I think it's a, a d- decent enough scene. It's one of the it's one of the scenes I've always liked. The big bada boom and the musical score have elevated this scene for me. It's um, my thoughts on Lulu's Escape.
1: Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still uh, optimistic at this point in the movie. I, I'm having a, having a fun enough time with the escape. Um, I don't really um, I don't know. I, definitely uh, the for lack of a better term, the meet cute uh, between uh, Lilu and sorry the Corbin Corbin. Yeah, uh, their meet cute is fine for me. I don't really uh, I, I didn't really feel a great connection. I think part of it is the um, the sort of childish nature of her character and him uh, being the character that he is i i didn't really see any reason these two would connect like mm. i didn't really find anything that they could connect over yep. um obviously uh, she is in great danger and he was saving her so i mean you can you can run with that i suppose um but, uh, so I'm still optimistic enough at this point in the movie, um, but then we get to, uh, I think this is still the same scene, we get to the McDonald's product placement, Yep. Uh, and I had a moment where I was like, this might be a bad movie. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Oh no, go, am, I, am I watching a bad movie yeah. right now? That's two
2: two golden menus, please. Yeah. Yeah, like,
1: <laughs> oh no. I also like the touch, um, I mean, it's not really a touch, it's just what what would have been most natural for Luke Besson, I guess, but... Um, at least when I was in Germany, uh, the word for a combo, what we here would call a combo, um, was called a menu oh, over nice. there. So I have to assume that is what like, – that's the same yeah. thing in French probably. It's a golden menu is just, just a combo. Interesting. Um, that's, that's, my, cool, that's cool, actually. Um, that's cool. I agree. The, uh, the music was actually a standout. I, I really liked the music in this scene. I didn't, like, I didn't particularly care for the music in most of this movie, but this sort um, of you know, uh, South Asian, East Indian style music – uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, the way that it was incorporated was kind of more what they would have thought back then was a futuristic sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I It was one of the musical highlights of the movie even though I didn't always care for the music in this one. Um, yeah, the big bada boom, uh, the way that she sounds out uh, please help uh, had varying levels of success for me. Again, I'm I'm kind of having various varying levels of enjoyment in this movie as is. So the sounding out of please help is the kind of thing you go, oh, that's cute when you're enjoying the movie. But when I'm when I'm sitting there going, wait, she doesn't know any English, but she can figure out how to sound out words. That doesn't make any sense. Um, the kind of thing you look over in a in a movie you're enjoying, but I uh, I found to be not like didn't make the movie unwatchable. It was like that's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of a weird detail to have in there, but okay.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a difference between when you're enjoying a movie and you're not. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah,
2: yeah, Duncan um so yeah at this point in the film I'm still enjoying it i will say you know um the escape scene the fall through the fall through the car um all cool the please help moment for me though again like kind of what sam stated is that like it was cute and it reaffirmed to me that this person in front of us was like a child in a woman's body and then immediately just crushed all um like uh, spark or like the dynamic between Bruce Willis and her, like it just I was like, you know what, this guy clearly is gonna help this vulnerable person, and I didn't foresee the relationship growing much further than just like the savior of this person, you know, or the aid to this cosmic weapon that we're about to watch on the screen. Uh, the car chase was fun. Um, I I tried my best to stay in it, but it kind of took me out a bit. Was the there's like the effects of it and like the cgi just like i don't know and it's it did age well in my opinion it still looked cool but some of the turns like when they're like i think under a bridge or something like it's just the two cars right before the cruiser crashes into the, the mcdonald's truck um it just felt like not as intense when and i know if i was to watch a movie in 20 like right now it would still be fake to me but it would look a little more real, and I just, to me, it looked too not real for me to fully get into the car chase mindset, you know, um, but overall, a great scene, um, because I like the, the birthing of her, like, or the creation of her as well, I, it was hard for me to put, like, a line where, like, this is where this ends, or, like, if I could have picked, like, this whole, I don't know yeah, thirty minute like a, you know like a, big sequence. a big sequence of events to period. actually this this is like what I consider the tail end of her creation so I I do really enjoy this scene though it was pretty cool awesome yeah Sam you're up
1: yeah what do I have next here pull up my scenes uh yeah let us go with <laughs> okay uh yeah we got a scene and I think it's in the priest's apartment uh where she's uh, passed out on the couch mm-hmm. um I've again conflicting feelings here uh, which is a common theme in, in my notes a lot of the time. On the one hand uh, the kissing of the woman unconscious on the couch is really just part and parcel with all that I've been saying about Luc Besson and his opinion towards uh, the female characters in his movies. However, it was also probably the biggest laugh in the movie when uh, when Bruce Willis uh, immediately recoils to the gun in the head and goes, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have done that <laughs> So that was a good laugh Um... Uh, but yeah, the when I realized that he was going to kiss her on the couch, I was just like, this fucking guy, <laughs> this fucking guy. I was just instantly just like not impressed. Um, another example of the the dialogue not always being on par for me. Um, while the uh, I shouldn't have done that was a really funny line. Him latching onto this one gibberish phrase that she has, uh, ectogamet, uh, which means never without my permission. Just struck me as like, uh, like it's all gibberish, man. Like you didn't, you didn't hear her say that, or you didn't latch onto that phrase because it's all gibberish. That's at least my, uh, what I think uh, would have happened in that scene. But um, yeah, while while it has its problems, this was also probably the uh, the biggest laugh of the movie for me when uh, when she holds the gun to his head, and tells him to fuck off. Yep. Um, we, oh, I, I'm, j- I'm
3: gonna jump in here. Nope. The I understand. Like your distaste for Luke Besson Uh it's not just him. Like, oh, yeah, like it. It's the the kissing of unconscious women is rampant.
1: Hundred percent. It happens in one 100%. of. It happens in a
3: movie you and I both love, Dead Poet Society. Yeah.
1: Yep. It sure does. Yeah. And that's honestly, I think that's easily my least favorite part of that movie. Like, uh, yeah. Far and away, my least favorite part of that movie. Yeah. <laughs>
3: So I just well, want
1: to point out. I, I had to rack my brain and I was like, where is that in that movie? It's at the party. Yep. Yeah, and um, now that I'm remembering it, I was like, fuck, why'd they have to put that in there?
3: Yeah. So I just want to... I'm like, it's not Luc Besson. I'm like, it's males across it's, the board. Yeah. But, here's, but here's
1: the thing. That's a great comparison because you're right that there is there is a similar... There's a very common trope and a guy kissing an unconscious woman on the couch in, um, in Dead Poet Society. Almost the exact same situation, really. Um, but... I had forgotten about that because it's a movie that I like. <laughs> that's, that's really just what it comes down to. Every time I watch that movie, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this part. Fuck. Oh, well. And then and then it leaves and I like forget about it until the next time I watch it. Yeah. Or until we bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. But in my head, now Fifth Element is going to be that movie where that guy kisses the unconscious girl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the one movie where that happens.
3: That's right. No, that's not true. Um, Go ahead, Doug. Sorry to derail you there. No,
2: no, no. Not at all. But uh, I had similar thoughts, honestly, This, but this this was the scene for me where I realized that like the the mystery and the whimsicalness and all that kind of like stuff that was brought on from the scenes you kind of just briefly talked about wasn't going to play out for me, you know, like once he kissed her and then to, to my actually like I really appreciated what he did, you know, the recoil, the apology, like he realized he shouldn't have done it. It would have been like a little bit more of a harder pill to swallow if he was like, you know, oh, come on, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's me, you know, and like, I don't know, he turns into some, some dude like that. so I, I, I saved I, you, you owe me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, rips his shirt off, I don't know. So I, I, I appreciated Definitely. that. And then I liked the, because uh, I'm pretty sure it happens after that scene when the priest is like, the fifth element, and like mm-hmm. passes out. Uh, so, like, that whole play of, like, comedic events, let's say, I was like, okay, took my foot off the gas of, like, sci-fi mind bender, you know, and, like, kind of accelerated on the, this is gonna be a fun movie that I'm gonna watch the next two hours or an hour and a half at that point or so. I was like, okay, this is fine. Um...
1: And then two more times after that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And then I put it in neutral and that was it. Uh no, it it was it was a fine scene. Like it's again, it's one of those things that I think in the mindset I was at watching this movie, that I was like in a better state than you both. So I didn't pick apart these things as maybe it's like this didn't this one didn't sit for me as like, Oh my gosh, this this is the movie that's gonna be about the guy kissing the unconscious girl, like that's how it's gonna be in your mind. Because I almost kind of already forgot about this scene. Yeah,
1: I was kind of uh, half serious when I said that. No, no, no. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but like you know, but I know what you mean though. And it's like you, when you think of this movie, you're gonna think of that scene in a way. But for me, it was just so like under the radar. This whole series of events that I was like, it's fine, and it kind of it gave me a little laugh and a little lightheartedness for the film. But it it, it was just kind of like whatever for, to me, to be honest.
3: It's again, it's it's just the it's and we, we stated over and over again, the difference of when you're enjoying a movie, you let go of little things. And when you don't, you love to pick them apart. Okay. So like your statement of Bruce Willis latching on to the one phrase never, ever yes. crossed my mind that he didn't hear it because I hear it. Mm-hmm. I hear it. But, you know, I've watched this movie 15 times. So when she says it, I've I've heard it. And but yeah, it that's it's the same i've i've done the same thing when i'm watching a movie i don't like i'm like well that's fucking bullshit but when you're liking a movie you're like eh, whatever that's fun um duncan what scene do you want next
2: oh uh, okay so my scene is between uh, zorg and vito cornelius and it is the speech about the chain of life so when vito uh, is in Zorg's like office, I guess that's what you would call it, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the chain of life, and how you know like destruction is necessary. Pushes the glass off the table to explain like all this chaos, gives people jobs, you know, like to, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, for me, um, this really cemented uh, the mind state of the villain of the film. Like it was probably one of the like. Because previous to this scene when you see Zorg, it was like, uh, I feel like his seriousness as a villain wasn't really cemented because he's like this guy selling guns and it's kind of comedic, they blow, the, these things blow up and everything. And then this scene, it's like, wow, this guy actually has some twisted views, it's pretty dark. Um, I don't disagree with some of the things he said. Like, you know, sometimes destruction is necessary, I guess. You know, we're not going to go... That's a different podcast, you know, discussion. <laughs> um, but I like the, uh, the dynamic between both the characters, actually. Like, if I had to pick, like, a scene of the film that was, like, the best acted, this probably would be on my list. I really liked the the play of and like the cockiness of, of of zorg and then um when he breaks a glass and then like starts to choke then you kind of see that switch where like the priest in the room becomes the cocky dick and you kind of like wow actually who's the villain here really at this mm-hmm. point you don't actually know because when he's choking and then he chooses not to help him you're like wow this is this is actually quite a dynamics of of there's a lot going on here the more meets the eye you know so i thought that wasn't actually this scene for me now again when i watch the scene it kind of breathe life back to my experience and I was kind of like wow this is this is kind of deep and you know I, I really this is probably one of my prob- number two maybe number one scene of the film nice yeah Sam
1: yeah I, uh, I actually echo a lot of that uh, Gary Oldman I said in the non-spoiler was like one of the best parts of this movie for me yeah um in in leon the professional he's the same way and in uh what was that uh the one movie where he plays the character drexel true romance yeah, i remember his character's name and he's in it for a scene but i don't remember the name of the movie that's how good he is as the villain he's fucking in unreal that, as a minor in that. villain in that as well um he is uh i am so glad that he got typecast as a villain through the 90s <laughs> because he is so good in all of these roles this is no exception um while i don't think this is on the same level as those other ones it's still really really good and um you're right that the best villains are the ones that you understand and his monologue about uh like Vito is trying to chew him out like dude you're just about destruction like you're not trying to create anything and he's like oh whoa we're the same we're the same person he like really justifies his own point of view he's like look at me destroy this class I've just created jobs for all these robots who have to clean it up. I am a creator. I'm just doing it differently than you. And he views himself as kind of the hero of the story. I think that's such a cool perspective. Even if he is um, reprehensible, uh, he thinks that he is the man. Uh, And I, I love that about this character. So yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes too, for
3: sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Gary Oldman. Uh he actually has another villain turn the same year in Air Force One, a movie I think you've seen. Yes. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. He uh, uh Harrison Ford. Yeah. yeah. Get off get off my plane They're... or something. <laughs> uh he's deliciously
3: evil in that movie as yes. well. Uh Gary Oldman's just a fantastic actor and this is a great scene. I, I i I love the scene as well. The monologue about the destruction and how it actually creates uh is really good as well i've always I've always been weirded out or fascinated. I'm like, what's the point of the creature that's in his desk? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think the point is that there's no point like the point is your imagination, yeah the point is like. Like, what the fuck could this be for? And, and your mind will, will wander. But I love all the little yeah. gadgets that pop up as he's like mashing buttons trying to get anything that's gonna help him. All yes. the little gadgets that come up. Yeah. It's great set design or good I prop th-
3: work. If I'm not mistaken, I think one of my one of my favorite things that pops up only now because of how how far we've come, but like one this is set in the future and one of the gadgets this pop up is a Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, whoa,
1: futuristic. Yeah, I'm like, whoa.
3: Yeah. Uh, it just reminded me because of The Apartment, which we watched. Yeah, which he's, ha- got a he's got Rolode- two got Rolodex. massive, massive Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, made, it made me laugh. I'm like, oh, I, they can't quite see that we will not be using paper very much uh, in the future. Uh, a fantastic scene. I'm, I'm glad you picked it.
2: Uh, um, oh, I guess I'm next, right? One thing I will add, yeah. just if, if it's appropriate to discuss now, but I feel like this scene has heavy... Foreshadowing to the end of the film with the destruction of the glass and him being a creator for things for people to create jobs. Mm -hmm. When you see the feet that he meets at the end with the bomb and the explosion creating Mm -hmm. this mess in space that people are going to need to clean up, to me, it's kind of like he did what he set out to do, he blew him up creating you know he did create jobs for people you know what i mean like victim to me, of his own destruction yeah opinion. like i i was I, when i saw the cherry when he's choking on the chair i thought maybe he's gonna choke somewhere at the end of the film and it's gonna that's gonna be the tie-in but i kind of thought at the end this was me trying to salvage some part of this film but i was like actually you know what he did in a way like create a mess that people are gonna clean up so and, and he did create opportunity you know what i mean like died doing what he liked. died doing what he did <laughs> so i'm kind of like you know what i like to at least, like to at least think the purpose of the glass and the thing was to set up the ending and how true that will tell over time that's one of the saving graces I'm holding on to this film to be like you know what it's better than I think alright I'm trying to I'm trying to believe that good for you I'm going to
3: move on to a part that now after uh, hearing you guys talk uh, apparently you guys both hated don't care I loved it Uh, it's the appearance of Ruby Rod (laughs) 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 please proceed yes please yeah uh corbin has made his way on to uh the spaceship on its way to floston and uh ruby rod the uh, galaxy's biggest radio star because radio apparently comes back big big in the future yeah. yeah big in the future yeah uh has come back and he appears and this is the generally speaking the type of scene the type of performance and the type of acting that I generally despise. Uh, Over the top, over exaggerated, just (laughs) um, swimming in the river of ham, as we like to say. Mm. And I can't explain why. Love it. Now, part of it is because uh, this was at the height of Chris Tucker. Well, I couldn't say the height. This is on the ascension of Chris Tucker's popularity and rise to fame. Yep. It peaks, obviously, with Rush Hour. And he is just running with it. I think my enjoyment of the Ruby Rod character comes from, my again, my friend's Brian impersonation of him. And this whole monologue of him on the plane, running around, doing all this, is something that I fully enjoy. Uh, he's a complete diva. Uh, This character was based off of uh, a couple known people. I'll get into that in Casting What Ifs because they tried to get either one of the people that this character is based off of. Uh, So knowing what they were going for, they kind of nailed it. But I didn't know that until I did the research. I still have a good time with Ruby Rod. Watching it this time, as soon as it came out and... 10 seconds in I was like Oh Sam's gonna hate this (laughs) (laughs) I thought I personally thought I'm like This is where Your enjoyment Might take a serious dip I didn't As I was watching it I started Because my enjoyment Wasn't what I remembered Going into this movie Before I started I'm like Oh I'm like Sam's really gonna like this and as I was watching I'm like Sam's not gonna like this at all and then when Ruby Rod showed up I'm like this is gonna seriously turn him off and I nailed it um let's do this Duncan your thoughts on Ruby Rod
2: uh you know you kinda nailed it with him calling him like a diva like he plays up he really hems it up you know he's loud he's obnoxious and uh, like that's kind of what I just viewed it as all those things like obnoxious, like I I'll even go to use the term like irrelevant. I didn't think it was needed in the film. I kind of thought to myself that if with the removal of this Chris Tucker um, person, I feel like the the movie would have been better off. Like it's by no means was it uh, was it funny or lighthearted enough in my opinion to have this character step in where if it was like a movie that was like a little bit funnier from the get-go it would have enhanced the hilarity but because it was like the sci-fi journey throwing this loud obnoxious dude in it kind of just was obnoxious and loud like i didn't i didn't really like it that much so i'll leave it there awesome my man
3: yeah, well... Give, I mean, it. Give it to me.
1: What can I say? You know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know me. Yeah, I mean... Listen, I have uh, very little experience with Chris Tucker. Um, one of the things I'm looking at right now is his Wikipedia page. Looking at all of his movies, I have no connection to the Rush Hour movies. I haven't... I don't think I've seen any of those top to bottom. Certainly not since I was too young to have actually appreciated them. The
3: first one's really fun.
1: Yeah. So is the second one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jackie Brown I've obviously seen. Um, oh, he's using one scene yeah I'm just looking through everything that I've seen of his I think literally I've seen three movies of his I guess four including Fifth Element um
3: you haven't seen Friday no I've
1: heard Friday is really good it's fucking awesome yeah um so yeah I have very little experience with him and uh, nothing about this made me want to gain further experience with him (laughs) Uh, this is, uh, to be fair to him, this is the kind of role where I think it's written to be a certain kind of annoying. Like, yeah. he's written so that the protagonist is annoyed with him, uh, and he's supposed to kind of grate on the protagonist, and we're supposed to get some, I guess, uh, we're supposed to get, uh, glean some comedy from the fact that, oh my god, there's this is really annoying radio star is following me around. I am trying to keep a low profile here, and I'm Bruce Willis, so I'm very soft, I'm very tough and i only speak in one word sentences a lot of the time and uh you know look at me um so having that juxtaposition having that with the very frenetic very high energy very high-pitched chris tucker we're supposed to get comedy from that i just it did not even work uh, a little bit so (laughs) i understand where they were supposedly going with it but it just i think it's just one of those things i mean hey i'm I'm a fan of Jim Carrey, who a lot of people find to be incredibly irritating as well. And uh, Duncan, are you a fan of any comedic actors that people consider to be annoying, which is a rhetorical question, because I'm pretty sure you're into Adam Sandler, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, Before, he,
2: as soon as you even turned your body to me, I was like, Adam yeah. Sandler. <laughs> yeah. So like, I get it, you
1: know, like, it's kind of one of those things If it works for you, it works for you. If it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, I can see what they were going for, but it just so didn't work for me at all. Wicked. Your turn yeah where are we going from here um i just gotta keep these pulled up let's see uh i have the opera scene nice next the Uh, opera scene the divas Uh, concert yeah Yeah. um the vocalist that they have doing the dub is insanely talented um i really like that they have kind of this um sorry manny go ahead not a dub that's her oh that's her in the makeup
2: no way yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah Yeah.
1: um (laughs) I actually really enjoy the scene as some, we've talked a little bit about a few operatic scenes on the show. Uh, Philadelphia comes to mind, Ooh, uh, the main nice. opera scene well in there, done. and we talked about how like Godfather Three, Godfather Three. <laughs> um, I have very little connection to the art form of opera. Um, I it's never really intrigued me. With that being said, the fact that a real human being can do this with their voice is absolutely fucking nutter butters to me. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not something I would necessarily put on myself, uh, when we make the switch to the sort of dance version of it, where it's not her doing a real take. There's pretty, in my opinion, pretty obviously some digital fuckery. Yes, uh, I-, I have notes in. on
3: that for you later. Yeah. I-, I can tell you now if you'd like. Sure, go ahead. Okay, hold on. Let me just quickly grab it.
1: But when they when they switched to that, um, my enjoyment of the scene kind of went downhill a little bit. It wasn't enough to like fully take me out of the scene, but I found it more annoying than impressive. Um, but yeah, the opera scene is... I think some of the best visual acting from, or some of the best facial acting from Bruce Willis, and some of the best music in the movie. Um, even though I'm not a particularly big uh, big opera fan, and you you got something to uh, interject trivia wise?
3: Yeah, I, I just want to correct myself. I do apologize. It does seem like it was dubbed. Oh, okay. I think I, I read something incorrectly. Regardless, still impressive. Yeah. Um yeah, seriously. Okay. So when composer Eric Serra showed soprano Inva Mula, who dubs the voice of the diva. The sheet music for the diva dance. So
1: the, the, the second half, the second
3: it. half, she reportedly smiled and relayed to him that some of the notes written were not humanly possible to achieve because the human voice cannot change notes that fast. Hence she performed the notes in isolation one by one, as opposed to consecutively singing them all together. And they digitized the notes to fit the music. There are a few moments when you can hear the differences in the voice tones of the diva's voice. Big time.
2: Yeah. That's cool. though. Mm-hmm. That's cool.
0: Sorry,
1: Duncan. You look like you're uh, itching to say something here.
2: No, I I just um I had this scene as well actually mm-hmm. on my list. Um, this is the fight. This is also the fight scene, right? Yeah. It's I Opera the overlaid. Yeah, yeah. I I actually had it though uh, more so for the fighting. I thought it was kind of like I mean the, the action scenes aren't really that great and the fight scenes aren't mind bending, but it was again fun to see this so-called cosmic perfect weapon like doing things that like we shot we thought she couldn't do so like having uh lilu uh beat up i can't remember the, the, the face changing people's names uh,
3: the mangalors i believe
2: mangalors uh the mandalorians yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh was was fun uh and like you said though like the facial acting from bruce willis uh the like the voice f- from the singer like everyone's <laughs> When it all came together. It was, it was quite an, like I felt like it was quite an impactful action scene. But I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I'll keep it brief.
3: I love, um, I love this scene. I loved it. It blew me away when I saw it in theaters. The the opening opera, the the first half of the opera stuff, the actual opera, um, absolutely mind blowing. Here I, again, like you, I'm not into opera. I have literally no experience with it. But when I hear people sing it, Um, In situations like this, and I've seen people, clips of them doing it on like Britain's Got Talent and stuff like that, Uh, it's mind-blowing that people can achieve these kind of notes and this kind of power uh, with their voice. And it it always impresses me and and basically kind of leaves me in awe. So being incorporated into this movie, uh, it blew me away. Plus the visual of that character design is beautiful. And I absolutely love it. The when it gets into the techno side of it, uh, I remember being really impressed uh, when I was younger or or when I first saw it. I I technically would have been younger. I never thought that it would have been that it would have been dubbed, that it was digitized to make all the notes. But I don't know enough about music to realize that. I just thought it was awesome. And I always I always love this scene. I just. I think what it is is that this character design, the diva character design, is just something I've always been completely fascinated with, and I think it's one of my favorite. Well, it is my favorite creature design of this film, like running away. It's not even close. Um, so yeah, I've always enjoyed the the opera concert. Um, who's next? Hey Duncan. Duncan.
2: By the um, way. So my uh, favorite scene here not my favorite scene one of my one of the scenes I'll, I'll mention is uh the i assume it's probably one of the more famous scenes of the of the movie but like the negotiation scene mm. where he's like we're sending someone in to negotiate yeah and then he turns a corner and like just like blasts a guy and then he asks Does anyone else you know want to negotiate mm. uh like obviously to me when i saw this i was like aha Nineties action movie, check, you know what I mean? Like yeah, this is hundred percent. You know, <laughs> like this was coming in and I I didn't know this was gonna happen per se, but I knew something like this was bound to happen in this movie. Even before when he's like looks over, twelve on the left, six on the right, shoots back, he's like, nine on the you know what I mean, like does the stupid thing and then steps out to shoot the leader, and then and then for some reason these animals just or these creatures just stop attacking and they're like, Wow, this is it. Um I just thought it was, like, so so Bruce Willis-esque to, like, to, like <laughs> yes. do this. And I was like, oh, yeah, here we are, baby. Action.
1: What a what a trope. Um, uh, this is a trope that shows up from time to time. It's, it doesn't, like, inherently make any scene or any movie it's in bad by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like I've seen the whole, we need to kill the leader because all yeah. the drones will stop around them. I feel like I've seen that thing so many times. It actually appears in Endgame, I'm pretty sure. Um, doesn't it? Uh, isn't there a thing in Avengers? Thing? I honestly can't remember where you need to kill the leader and then. Uh, actually, I mean, maybe that's a slightly different trope. Regardless, the, the fact yeah. that all of these alien creatures just, I agree, just decide to stop fighting yeah. because their leader was killed is kind of a um, an interesting writing decision, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I felt myself a little bit let down by the by the action scenes in it. Um, it felt like they were just trying to write John McClane all over again but they watched Die Hard and went oh the key to John McClane is just have him say something quippy every time he does something that's there's so much more to, to that character than that so it has uh, to be a Christmas time yeah that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the other ingredient yeah. it wasn't Christmas so yeah they missed out on the <laughs> on the chart. yeah
2: like that that line and that scene I I mean I don't I don't know how like a cast the decisions that they made but I feel like that whole scene I don't know if there's any actor out there that would have done it as well as Bruce Willis did. Like, if you put any other actor at that time, I feel like, to say, does anyone else want to negotiate after shooting a leader in the head like that? I feel like that's just a... That is Bruce, Yeah, you that Yeah,
1: that was written with Bruce Willis in mind, I feel yeah,
3: like. Yeah. yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a standard 90s action scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't add much more to it. I think no, you, you, no. You, you, you fucking nailed it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll talk about this one quickly uh, because it, it's going to make you guys mad. Uh, it's it's Corbin versus uh, the Mangalores. Uh, it's kind of in between the opera and the scene you said. Uh, and the reason that I like this is because Chris Tucker is screaming the whole time.
0: <laughs>
3: I won't lie. It's what makes the scene enjoyable for me. His screaming is <laughs> – his screaming Is what makes me giggle. And it's not just because he's screaming. It's because my friend Brian would do the scream. (laughs) And he does it really well. And so it just reminds me of my friend. The action itself, I'll be honest, is pretty substandard for an action scene. But Chris Tucker's scream makes me laugh. That's all I wanted to talk about.
1: You'll have to take me back uh, to um, Leon the Professional a little bit, because admittedly I haven't um, i haven't watched the movie in a long time, but I seem to remember at least liking the action scene. Oh, the action in
3: Leon the Professional is fantastic. Yeah, I seem
1: to remember thinking that the action's really good in that, so it, it's kind of a head-scratcher that for all the scenes in this movie, for all the great set design and for all the great character design and all the great costuming and props and all of that, all the visual stuff... Um, for somebody who already at this point in his career had an acclaimed action movie, it's kind of a head-scratcher to me that the action is like really subpar for, from my, for a lot of this movie. From my
3: understanding, I haven't seen it, but from my understanding, he actually has two. Because right. he did a film called La Femme Nikita.
1: Right, which I've heard of.
3: Yeah, which is, I think is about a young female, assa- young, <laughs> young female assassin. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> weird. Weird. Uh, weird.
3: How young, I, I'm, from my understanding, she is of legal age.
2: Legal
1: to Which, him? Which, I mean, you know. doesn't
3: really matter to him anyway, but that's yeah. good to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a it's not a Natalie Portman thing. She's, at, like, in the early 20s. Uh, from my understanding, I have no idea. Yeah. But the the picture of the character doesn't lead me to believe that she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. But, besides the point, I agree. With someone with, from my understanding, two, well, I think the action in Leon Professional is fantastic. Like, incredibly staged. Mm-hmm. Uh, this This movie's action was... A letdown, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I never really thought of it as a letdown until this viewing. Yeah. Because again, I was watching this with a more critical eye, and wasn't quite in the mood for this type of film. So, uh, but watching it critically, the the action scenes in this are substandard for what I'm looking for now.
1: Yeah, which is which is too bad because I mean that's one of the one of the things I did enjoy about uh, Leona Professional mm-hmm. is the action man. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, for that reason and the other reason, which is that Chris Tucker is kind of irritating, <laughs> uh, this this, uh, this section of the movie wound up being a letdown. But, yep. you know, there you go.
2: Duncan? Uh, I don't have much to say about this one simply because I forgot it happened. So <laughs> that, is, uh, that is a great note. Yes. I think uh, that's a better note than you think it is. Yeah, so.
1: Uh, <laughs> wicked. <laughs> yeah.
3: Sam, you got anything left?
1: No, actually, that's, that's it.
3: Duncan? Nothing left. I've got the ending. Um, the unlocking of the stones. Oh. The – I always thought it was cool that the stones themselves required the actual element that they represent. I, I, thought did, it was, I did like that. I thought it was a cool idea. Uh, the one thing I did notice, again, when you start watching critically, <laughs> the last stone that needed fire, um, he lights the match above his head instead of right above the stone. And then <laughs> yes. takes yes.
1: his fucking time yes.
2: putting it on the thing. Yeah. You know, yes. Like- yeah. I was like, "That's weird." Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to go out, and that's how the movie's going to end. That they'd lose. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was it. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah.
1: Uh, At least Ruby have died then. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the
3: I wanted to point the ending out for two reasons. One, I I always thought that the stones and the elements and having the actual element that they represent be the trigger to them was a great idea the part of the movie i've always um, i've always had a problem with always since day 1 is when they pointed out there's no connection between lilu and corbin dallas there's there's no love there whatsoever and the fact i don't i have no problem th- with the fact of lilu the character seeing the atrocities that were capable of him like why would i bother saving you and i don't have a problem with corbin saying you yes you see the ugliness of our people, but you also should see the beauty. And while love is in it, I, I don't know how you could write it for him to convince her to save the rest of the planet because of love of other people. Um, I didn't feel that she loved him in any way. Uh, I can see Bruce Willis to the best of his ability was to convey a type of attraction to her. Love yeah. No, sorry. They're, they they did not have enough in there to build a love. And so that's always been uh, spoiler alert for later on. The weakest part of the movie for me is, yeah. is that, and I wish they had found a different way to resolve it. I don't know. Show, show her the love between a mother and a daughter, show her the love between a brother and a sister or family or the love between friends because the, the The love that these two characters supposedly have just was never conveyed on film, and it's always been a problem for me but it's so that is the weakest part so that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the scenes because the thing that saves the planet uh is com- it's it's not that she does it for love it's that she does it for the love she supposedly has with Corbin Dallas, which is in my opinion completely unbelievable and unrealistic.
1: I am so happy that you said all of that uh, because that is exactly how I feel about this relationship. I'm happy that you still managed to enjoy the movie in spite of it. This feels like a little bit too big a part of the movie for me to be anything other than a systemic flaw. Like, mm-hmm. It's just kind of from the top down, This script is flawed with this at the center of it. With that being said, anybody who did look past this to find the enjoyment and the campy elements of this movie, I have no problem with you whatsoever Teach their own. Um, but yeah, like, I actually wasn't even going to say anything about this because it, I just kind of felt this from from the get-go. I think maybe it's maybe it was an assumption that I made or maybe I already knew that they got together, but I just kind of assumed from the beginning that they were this was going to be a love story. So this was while this was not shocking to me, it of course felt completely unearned and completely It's un- a, it's 100% and unearned. Everything I I had all the problems with all of this. I do like I do like um, the Mila Jovovich line delivery And the character turn of her, I kind of like her making her way kind of through like the encyclopedia, through all the different things. Again, um, overestimating the value of encyclopedias in uh, in 1997, but that's fine. Um, uh, I like her reaching W and finding war. You know, maybe she would have found the N section for Nazi. Maybe she would have found the H section you know, for Holocaust, G yeah, for genocide. There's, there's, you it's know? not like humankind was great for like ninety percent of the alphabet, and then war came along. There's some other shit in yeah. there that you want to avoid. But regardless, I do like the turn from the character of going from the supreme being who is there to help you and is your only weapon being completely discouraged. Why would I help you when I've seen what you're all capable of? I think that's a that's a powerful thing to do and having the um action uh, i mean the action climax of the world almost being destroyed coincide with the emotional climax of her of bruce Wells trying to convince her that humankind is worth saving that's a that's a really good thing to write that's a that's a really good uh climax in your movie um but you are correct that the way that he does that by being like no we love each other so it's worth saving is just not at all what what this was
2: that's not what this movie was at all (laughs) it wasn't a love story (laughs) yep uh yeah you both couldn't have said it better um it is also one of my biggest issues with the film is that like this perfect being um like needed love or like was seeking out love to like you know whatever win or something you know (laughs) because i'm like you're like you're perfect like You really mean to tell me that the kiss of this taxi driver is going to be the thing that fucking sets you off to to perfect being level? You know, like. The first
1: man she ever met is the the one she's like, no, this guy's worth saving the planet for. Well,
2: yeah, like, as a a viewer, they have as much of a relationship as someone who fell through the fucking roof of a car. Like, it literally is just built out of nowhere, right? So, like, I can't expect them to form this relationship. But no, I I just I just like didn't did like the whole. I understand that she has to learn the language because she speaks his divine language and stuff. But to like reduce this like female supporting actress, I thought she was a lead as well. This female <laughs> lead character, it's her story. <laughs> to the need of a kiss of a man and the love of a, you know, like I was like, come on, like they're if you're gonna make this woman the main part of the movie, like I don't know, I just felt like having her fall fall in love, whatever they fucking had. I can't even describe it as love. Their relationship was a cop-out and um, kind of a weak, weak way to end the movie, in my opinion. That's fair. Yeah, That's fair.
3: You got to pick one, Sam.
1: <laughs> I do. And you know what? Um, the scene of Zorg choking on the cherry and explaining the relationship between uh, life and destruction uh, is a genuinely really good scene in, in this movie. Um, so that, that's going to be my pick.
3: Awesome. Duncan, your favorite scene?
2: Mm, the The cherry scene as well, Zorg and uh, I think it's Vito Vito, Vito Cornelius. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, it's a diva concert for me. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. I always loved it from day yeah. one.
3: The
1: The heights of the diva concert are some of the highest in the movie, but I think the the switch
3: to the techno version is was kind of a, a letdown. Mm. <laughs> I I enjoyed the techno version. Yeah. Uh, all right, noms and nods. Samuel, you got the first one.
1: Ruby. Rod. You motherfucker. <laughs> so Chris Tucker? Yeah, I guess so. Here you're I, nominating uh,
3: for best supporting actor? Mm, <laughs> mm, switch directions
1: there, Manny. <laughs> I can't remember which uh, Razzie this is. I don't think it's, I've seen it's, any of the Rousey, It's the so 18th. You haven't yet. seen it. So. I don't think I've seen any of them. So okay. I really get well, it so
3: I, I have to do it for you. Yeah. I'll do it from your perspective. I'll try to be as unbiased as I can. Okay, go ahead. Our nominees for worst supporting actor that year, Dennis Rodman wins for Double Team. Yeah. Uh, we have Willem Dafoe in Speed 2. I've seen it. Uh, Chris O'Donnell in Batman and Robin, I've seen it. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Batman and Robin, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. John Voight in Most Wanted and U-Turn, I have not seen either. I do plan on – well, I shouldn't say plan on watching U-Turn. It is
2: on my watch list.
1: Right. We have covered this category we have. in previous episodes, we have. actually. I can't gotta, remember what you got to take out Arnold so you, there.
2: Huh? You gotta take out Arnold. Yeah,
1: Oscar. I I agree. Arnold's is like that's a genuinely enjoyable performance. Yeah. that's exactly what the movie calls for. So I agree. Take out Arnold Schwarzenegger, Fuck. put in on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck.
2: I'm like, give Arnold the Oscar, man. Are you kidding me? Like, like what?
1: What killed the dinosaurs? Yeah. yeah, I
2: say. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, it did. I was like, not really, but still. So stupid. I'm shocked. Oh. genuinely shocked to hear his name on that list just now. So. Oh. Yeah.
3: Uh. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, sorry, dude, but it's fine. Yeah, I can't disagree with it coming from your perspective. Yeah. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, 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 will not be putting him. I in know you're That's fine. I will <laughs> not be nominating him in best best supporting actor uh, when it comes to my way. Uh, for you, Duncan, you got a nom or nomination <sighs> you want to give?
2: Yeah, this is. Uh... Okay, I struggled this with this one. That's right. Because the movie. To me, wasn't gleaming out in any sort of direction. But what I did appreciate in the film was the costumes. Nice, well so done. So I, I would put it up for the best costume design. Okay. Sorry, what,
1: uh, what ceremony are we at here? Seventieth, seventieth. Thank you. All right, so.
2: Ooh. No, I can only remove movies I've seen. Right. Yeah. Okay. So
1: Titanic wins, I assume. I don't even have it pulled up, but yeah. it just won everything. All
3: so. Right. So I've seen three of the of, of the nominees so the nominees this year for best costume design are titanic which wins amistad kunden oscar and lucinda and the winds of the gulf so cool you've i'm assuming you've only seen one of
2: those yeah one of those movies sounds real and four of them sound fake so. <laughs> <laughs> yes i've only seen the titanic and i and i i i i wouldn't okay I you know, so w-
3: we can help you out sam's seen two of them yeah. um I'm ob- I'm obviously not taking out Titanic. Yes, but I could probably take out Kunden for this. Yeah, I think I could too. The like thinking of the costumes, like the, le- the Dalai Let's...
1: Lama looks really good in like every
3: get up in the movie. Um, but like I don't know, everyone else is just wearing a monk outfit. I I enjoyed the inventiveness of these costumes. I agree. Yeah. I like it. Like, I'll be honest, Lulu's two costumes. I like them. Yep. Yep. I like it. <laughs> yep, yep. I really like the look of the police officers. Hmm. Yep. Um I really enjoy uh the look well eh. <laughs> whatever you want to call them. The flight attendants or the stewardesses their costumes were nice. The
2: I agree actually. I do agree. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh and Vito Cornelius's robes yep. are really nice as well. So yeah, I actually yep. really like this but, nomination. Yeah. And I will
2: say I do actually like I don't like the sound of his voice, but the physical appeal of um, uh, what's his name, Rod, uh, would be Ruby Rod. Rod. Ruby oh Rod. yeah, his costumes. Like are his too, costumes actually. are all incredible. You know, um, the, um, the what, now with the diva count or is that special effects makeup? No, like, that's makeup. That's makeup. That's makeup. Okay, I didn't I didn't think it was that that person that the diva was the strongest point for makeup wise in the film. So I didn't say for that, but I feel like her other than her face, her all her like. Costume I felt was also incredible. I
3: thought the costume was great. The funny thing is, is this is actually the first time again when you're watching a movie critically. This is the first time I actually noticed where the makeup line was on her makeup on her face. On oh, the opera singer, where the the headpiece is attached 100%. to her face. Yes, uh, it's not the greatest work. It's not, and you can see it's right here on the side shots. Yes, yeah. uh, and it, it made me really sad because uh, I always love
0: that.
1: Yeah, I mean the reality with the Oscars is that um, uh, the Osc- the Academy has always had such a hard on for period pieces, especially in these categories. So. So um, we have five period pieces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, so there was no chance that this was ever going to get an Oscar nomination, being the kind of film that it is. But that being said, I can I can substitute could out.
2: Do you think though, it, like, I mean, it's hard to look at this objectively, but do you think it really could stand a chance against the Titanic? No, or no,
3: not a not a not a chance in hell. No.
2: Do you think it Do you think it comes second to the other films then, or no?
3: The he hasn't seen Amistad. I have. Yeah. Uh, Amistad's real uh, another great period piece. I don't think I could take it out. It could easily be third. Uh, the Wings of the Dove, I'm going to actually be watching really soon because it actually finally just hit streaming, and I was very close to renting it, and so I'm so glad it's the streamer so I'm going to watch it. Um, I'm probably... I'm probably... Well, we don't really touch this when we get to the year end, but I would be. I would have no problems with this being one of the five finalists. Cool. But it's not touching Titanic, sorry. Yep. That's just... A monumental achievement in every aspect. Yep. Even though I don't even, I don't even know if Titanic's going to make my top ten. I want it to, but I don't know if it will. <laughs> but I, I cannot heap enough praise on the technical aspects of that film. It is yeah. mind-boggling. <clears throat> um, I'm going to throw out a real fun one. I'm throwing out uh, best supporting actor Gary Oldman. I like
1: the direction. I like the direction that you're going in uh yeah so best interesting supporting, best supporting actor um <laughs> i have seen three sorry yep. i've seen four yeah uh robin williams wins for goodwill hunting mm-hmm. uh robert Forster for jackie brown yep. anthony hopkins for almost out is the one i haven't seen Manny has seen it so we've seen all five you will be seeing it soon though. uh greg kinnear as good as it gets burt reynolds boogie Knights. uh have you seen any of those uh uh
2: goodwill hunting goodwill hunting yeah, yeah. so
1: I'm not, like, Robin Williams as Sean McGuire in Good Will Hunting is literally one of my favorite performances of all time, so it's not being dethroned by anything ever uh, this year. Um, I, of the ones that I've seen, I remember, uh, it's been so long now, it's been probably about four years since I watched As Good As It Gets, and it was the only one that I've seen. I remember us being kind of lukewarm on Greg Kinnear. Um, That's
3: why I'm giggling, because I'll be honest, Greg Kinnear is, is one of the big weak points in this category. There are there are two untouchables in this, and it's Robin Williams and, and Burt Reynolds. Yes, Those are untouchable. They're not coming out ever. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any performance I've seen this year that is going to remove those two. Okay. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, I'm very excited for you to watch Amistad mm. because it is not an Anthony Hopkins performance. Mm-hmm. It is not what you are thinking with Anthony Hopkins in a
1: where he's the most elegant person in the room. He's yes. always got perfect posture with yeah. his hands crossed behind his back. Yes. <laughs> not that at all. It's gonna, it's gonna it's gonna it's
3: gonna it's going to remind you on why he's considered so great because this is range. Okay, yeah. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Robert Forrester is a performance we love because it's what we now lovingly refer to as the Tom Wilkinson performance. R I P. Understated. It is not showy, it is not flashy, it is it doesn't have any yelling scenes or any overly emotional scenes. It is this really great, low-key, nuanced performance. Great Kinnear's performance is really good. It was a big step forward for him as an actor, and it fits within the movie that he's in. But it is easily the weakest of the five, and it's a performance I've never been the hugest fan of. Every movie where I have a supporting actor that I enjoy, I'm going to nominate them because I will pretty much always be able to take (laughs) Greg Kinnear out. It is a bit of a cheat, I know, (laughs) but it allows me to highlight a performance in a film and talk about a little bit more. And Gary Oldman as Zorg is magically delicious. He is having the time of his life. He is... His look is fantastic. That fucking plastic shield on his head. Yeah. Amazing. I have no idea the purpose of it. Don't care. His southern drawl is really weird. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love how Gary yeah. Oldman disappears into every character he plays. Yeah. And it's really great seeing him do something like this that's so over the top. And a really great, not not over the top, but a really great fucking performance as Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. Mm. He is just a fucking spectacular actor who I love. I'm so glad that he has won an Oscar because he should have probably won more than one. But I love this performance. Slotting him in here. Kicking out Greg Kinnear.
1: That's all well and good. I don't really feel confident enough that I love this performance more. While Gary Oldman was one of the better parts of this film, uh, we made the case that he's... Not he's not even on the podium of greatest Gary Oldman villain performances of the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like, I while I don't think it's an outrageous thing that you just did uh, supplanting Greg Kinnear. I don't like feel very strongly about it either way. Like
3: it's totally fine.
1: Yeah,
2: totally fine. Mm-hmm. Duncan, you comments like, to that? You like Zorg? I do like Zorg. I do. It's a fun right. part of the film. <laughs> cool. There you go.
3: Boy.
1: on me um i honestly don't even have anything else written down but you know what while i've got the razzies pulled up here you fucker. Uh, <laughs> let's just go um i want to put this out there um yeah we're gonna do this um it's probably not gonna win worst screenplay okay but uh i'd just like to put it forth uh i have seen oh shit a grand total of two of them uh, Three. Oh, two. I've seen two. I'm going to watch a third. Yes. So, The Postman Wins Yes. were screenplay, uh, which is one that we're going to watch. Uh, um, Anaconda, I haven't seen. Batman and Robin, I've seen. Uh, Lost World Jurassic Park, I've seen.
3: That sh- I don't think that should be in there. Lost I've World seen, Jurassic Park. Oh, wow, yeah. I've seen, I've we have seen a lot of these ones. We
1: dis- I remember disliking the screenplay quite a lot. Okay. On- uh, i actually I've been writing little uh reviews for myself so I can remember my thoughts on these and my my screenplay or my uh, review of Lost World Jurassic Park I'm pretty sure it just says yikes a terrible screenplay saved by the fact that it's directed by Steven Spielberg. All right. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. Maybe I, it's I. So I've only seen two of these. Um. So
2: are are there four? The Postman, Postman, postman Anaconda, Batman, Robin, Robin, Robin. Lost, Lost World Jurassic Park, Speed Two. Sorry, I might, I might not have said speed two. DC yeah, speed two, yeah. so speed, speed two, two. two, so the five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, oh man, I don't feel really strongly enough uh, that the Lost World Jurassic Park. It, you know what? Oh man, if I was gonna substitute anything else, it'd be Lost World Jurassic Park. Batman and Robin absolutely belongs there. <laughs> that movie's an abomination, but like in a great way. <laughs> no, that, that's is
2: that, that's the same one with uh, Arnold and. That's the one, yeah. with Arnie. Yeah. Okay, to me, that one is way more enjoyable than this movie.
1: Oh, it's more enjoyable, for sure. But that
2: like, movie's it's, fucking horrible, dude.
1: I, I enjoy Batman and Robin. At okay. least I enjoyed uh, Batman and Robin when I saw it when I was a kid. <laughs> so did I. I, I enjoyed did not. It a
3: kid. I fucking hated it. Yeah. I love that shit. Poison <laughs> Ivy. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait.
1: Are we doing Batman and Robin? I guess we're not. Or are we?
3: I think we should.
1: Dude, I would love to do Batman and Robin. I
3: will add it to the list. I think that would
1: be Awesome. I will add it to will the list. Will you come on if we do Batman and Robin? Yeah, I'll come back like, for that. Fuck yeah!
2: <laughs> yeah, you want to see an argument? I'll get, it. I'll get one. I think that movie's awesome. Yeah. so much fun. That's fuck. gonna be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, we might have to slot that in soon then. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, it's just it. that we're getting. It's gonna be tough because he's getting close to exam time. Oh yeah, fair enough.
2: I do only have one exam on April 9th. We can talk about this later. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah.
3: All right. I'll, I'll let me take a look at the schedule. For sure. Because I, I just. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to. Love to. Yeah, I totally. just don't want I don't want to fuck you
2: over. Hey, all good. Yeah. I love going back yeah. here, so
1: um can yeah, I- you know what? I, I think in spite of the fact that I just took a shit on the Lost World uh screenplay, I think I can probably put the fifth element in there. I, I really dislike the screenplay for this. The romance is underwritten, the dialogue is really bad, the plot is way over convoluted. Uh I, I did not care for the screenplay in this.
3: Okay, I've seen all five. This isn't making it. <laughs> fair enough. No, it is. This the screenplay in this is not worse than these five. I assure you. Mm-hmm. I assure you, it is not. Okay. Fine. Uh, I, you, you could maybe convince me about, the, about replacing with The Lost World. Yeah. But there's n- not a fucking chance with the Postman, Anaconda, Batman, and Robin or Speed Two. Not even close. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Duncan, you got another one?
2: I do not. Okay. My nominations ended with the costumes.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all done then. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm all good. Time to get into favorite quotes. Now sit back, relax, get comfortable. Turn up. Because we are about to hear our favorite quotes. We're going to start with Duncan's favorite quotes. So here we are. Duncan's first nominee for favorite think quotes. Goddamn Finger. Finger.
4: I was on my way over to see you when a big fair fell on my lap. You know, one of these really big fairs that you just can't resist.
2: Oh. How
4: big? Five nine. Blue eyes, long legs, great skin. You know, perfect. Uh huh, I see.
5: And this, uh, perfect fair. Got a name. Yeah.
3: Lilu. And Duncan's next number. What what do we have that's bigger than 240? Nothing, sir. Duncan's third. We're sending somebody
5: in to negotiate!
4: Anybody else want to negotiate?
0: Where did he learn to negotiate like that?
3: I wonder. Duncan's final nominee. Ah, uh, ah, uh, 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 Are you German? Sam's first nominee. Sir, are you classified as human? Uh, negative. I am a meat popsicle. Sam's next
4: nominee. How I worries. Too narrow narrow-minded, no subtlety. Worse, they fight for hopeless courses. Honor. <laughs> Honor's killed millions of people. has not saved a single one. I'll tell you what I do like, though.
3: A killer. Sam's next.
4: Your time for revenge is at hand. Voila, the ZF-1. Slide. Handle's adjustable for easy carrying. Good for riders and lefties. Breaks down on four parts, undetectable by x-ray. Ideal for quick, discreet oh. interventions. A word on firepower, titanium recharger, 3,000-round flip with bursts of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zoey convention, it's even easier.
3: Sam's next nominee. Oh, Father. You're so wrong. Let me explain.
4: Life, which you so nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder, and chaos. Now, take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene, boring. But if it is destroyed. Look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how each one is useful. What a lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now, think about all those people that created them technicians, engineers, hundreds of people who will be able to feed their children tonight so those children can grow up big and strong and have little teeny-ween children of their own and so on and so forth. Thus, adding to the great chain of life.
0: Water. Fruit.
4: You see, Father, by creating a little destruction... A cherry. I'm, in fact, encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business.
3: And Sam's final nominee, my boy.
4: Imagine for a moment that this thing is not anything that can be identified because it prefers not to be.
0: Wherever there is life, it brings death. Because it is
3: evil, absolute evil.
5: One more reason to shoot first. Evil
3: begets evil, Mr. President. That was actually my nominee. My second one is.
5: Nella dindo jella boom.
3: Boom, yeah, I understand. Boom.
5: Bada boom. boom. Big.
4: Big. Yeah, big bada boom.
5: Big. Bada big boom. Big. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, boom.
3: big bada boom. Bada boom. <laughs> big ba- boom. Big bada boom. And <laughs> my next number. No. Auto wash. Auto wash. Yes, auto wash. -wash. In the shower.
4: I feel it's funny. Met you twice today. Both times, ended up in my arms. It's my lucky day.
3: Yeah. My next nominee.
4: i was so afraid I wasn't going to make this flight. So I sent uh, David here. To come and pick up my boarding pass. Uh, but um, but uh, and now David has to go. Thank you. Bye.
0: I am Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is Lilu Dallas
4: multipass. Yeah. Multipass. multi uh, multipass. She knows it's a multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds, Just met. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multipass. Yeah,
3: anyway, we're in love. I do have to say here, I actually forgot to delete one of my favorite quotes. So there's going to be six playing. I apologize because I was supposed to delete the uh, auto-wash. So here we go. My fifth but not final nominee. Oh, damn it. It restarted. One second. (laughs) And right here. Booyaka fifth nominee this is the last phase the cells are bombarded by slightly greasy solar
4: atoms which forces the body to react to protect itself that means growing skin wonderful
3: and i'll be honest this couldn't have worked out any better for my final nominee here
5: he is the one and only winner of the gemini crock contest this boy is fueled like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> yeah. The right size, right build, right head, the right arm. Right on, right on, And he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of out there. Pop it, D-Man! Uh, hi, hi. Unbelievable! Wither, ladies, wither. He's gonna set the world on fire. Right here from 5 to 7, you know everything there is to know about that d man His dream, his desire, his most intimates of intimates. And what I'm looking at? Intimate is this stud muffin's middle name. So tell me, my man. You nervous in the service? Uh, not really. Freeze those knees, my knees Cause Herb's in the place and he's on the case. Yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's prince of frost
0: paradise.
5: A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and lick lollies. A magic fountain floor of non-stop wine, women, and... Looking, looking, All night long.
0: All night long. All
5: night. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Start licking to the girlies, 'cause this guy's gonna have you riding home to mama. Right here from five to seven, I'll be your voice, you know. And I'll be out on the trail of the sexiest man, of the D-man, your man. Man. And
1: oh.
3: a I can't explain yeah. the joy I got <laughs> out of playing that last <laughs> quote that for true. these gentlemen.
1: <laughs> imagine living in a world where that is the entertainment but we do kind of live in a world where that's the entertainment because this isn't a real movie that we all watched if that if that
2: <laughs> verbal scene was in the trailer I would never have seen this movie oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I also too like listening to him speak if you told me that was a rush hour film I would have believed you Like he, see, he just sounds like the same guy almost the whole time yeah, you know he just oh Manny he...
1: of, and of course of course because the universe is the way that it is it, of course that's the longest quote by a country mile yeah, so. yeah and yeah. of course
2: this is the, it's the sixth one that Manny forgot to delete oh, you forgot. know yeah I really I truly did
3: I, was, I wanted to delete the multi-pass one and I didn't have right. uh, I forgot okay. to no that's not good Sam you gotta pick your favorite quote uh, the Zorg speech Zorg speech great pick yeah. great pick Duncan
1: I should I should actually reiterate I have two Zorg speeches Oh you in my, do in my picks so, the destruction um, one Yeah yeah um, I will also note uh I you forgot to delete one of yours and you forgot to add one of mine I also had in my nominees uh What's the use in saving life when you uh, when you see what you do with it Oh motherfucker useful. I I may I'll double check that I actually sent it to you It Doesn't really no, matter No you did I just want to at least point that out You one hundred percent did Even if that was in there the winner is still the, the Zorg speech about life and
3: destruction Holy but absolute fucking fail It's okay it's if, Am I gonna fix it in post Probably not There no, you know. All right. maybe I'll end the episode with it <gasps> that'd be cool okay no promises mm-hmm. Duncan what are you picking for your favorite quote
2: okay so uh, I'm gonna go you're with you're picking the ruby rod <laughs> no yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely not but <laughs> my favorite one is the when uh, what's his name uh, Corbin is talking to Finger about okay. the, the fair that fell into his lap yep uh, within the time you see it in the movie uh, I just feel like it's again it just gives me hope that Bruce Willis's character is doing something like for like good you know mm-hmm. and like it's I mean the, the language used in the end of the quote about like describing the body and the long legs and all this kind of stuff again I'm like yeah I don't really I could do without it if the quote ended earlier it's fine but I just I like the way he's phrasing the uh, the Incident that happened to him because he, you know, he knows he's doing the right thing and I kind of like the film. I like that quote. Sure. All right.
3: Uh, for me, it's multi-pass. It's the, it's the quote that me and my friends say all the time. We say multi-pass all the fucking time. Anytime I have a pass, I always say, multi-pass? Multi-pass. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, multi-pass like is for me. Uh, Sam, weak link of the film.
1: Uh, this is actually a really difficult one because <laughs> 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 so much I honestly just think um my first in- instinct is to say it's the screenplay, I really didn't care for it, but honestly, uh, by extension I'm just gonna say Luke the song. Um Wow. Yeah. I think uh in addition to the screenplay being weak, I think uh the action scenes being poorly directed uh, and poorly staged. Um was kind of a letdown and you know, I'm just I'm just gonna go with it.
3: Surprised you didn't nominate him for worst director then.
1: We need to go back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I'm just kidding. Roll back time. Uh,
1: Kevin Costner, uh, to my memory, probably won for Postman.
3: Yeah. Postman s- fucking swept the Razzies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Truly the Titanic of the Razzies. It really, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's funny. Have you seen the Postman? No, but I kind of want to watch it now. It just seems like it sucks. Okay.
3: <laughs> Norm- normally, like movies that are really bad uh, are sometimes fun to watch and I would have no problem like saying, yeah, you should watch it. Uh, like we we have jumped ahead, we we finished 1990, and uh, there was co-winners, a movie called The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, 100 percent worth watching. Okay, it is a product of its time, um, but I think you could watch it and enjoy yourself. Incredibly misogynistic. Uh,
1: I will add, there's a Bruce Willis film that also won Worst Picture called Hudson Hawk. Uh, was that the same year?
3: No, 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 no. that's no. ninety one or ninety
1: two. Um, I gave it a three out of five. I was like, this is campy bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. but like it's like you could definitely have a few drinks and, like have a good i time. didn't like it i gave it a one yeah okay but okay. like to a certain person like
3: now sorry yeah. the problem with the postman is it's three hours long that's why for me to say yeah you should jump on board with watching a really crappy movie to see how why it was it won worst picture um it's fun to do with like a two hour film but three
2: three hours is a long time three years yeah three is
3: tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could throw on Ghost can't do it, uh, like, just, like,
3: while you're, I don't know, (laughs) while you're just waiting for your dinner to cook. (laughs) Holy shit, yeah. Ah, Duncan, what's the weak link of the film?
2: Okay, so, uh, the perfect being issue for me really is a sticking point about, like, this perfect being seemingly not being so perfect and needing, like, all this, like, support and, like, love and shit. I just didn't really think that was kind of, like, Intuitive to the film, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like that too much. In,
1: in Luke Besson's world, the perfect being is really just somebody who's as hot as Mila Jokovic, who wants to take off her clothes. All yes, time. exactly. Who <laughs> like
2: does not understand language and all boring. this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> thinking about that, though, I guess the bigger issue is like the writing for the film. You know, to me, I thought the the story is quite convoluted. Um, and then another pain point for me, uh, I actually picked a character in the movie I could not stand. The fucking president. Oh, I thought dude, who, whoever that guy was, I'm like, dude. Tony Lister. Be a bodyguard. I was like, you, <laughs> you, you gave me bodyguard energy right now. He's just so monotone. Even when the world was going to end, he was like, just no emotion. I, I, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, you fucking suck at acting. And you're taking me out of the illusion right now. It's, I love it. Honestly, that. it just it really... I, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He, by far the the one part that ruined the movie for me was ever when any time he was on on stage, interesting,
1: yeah. Uh, I do recognize him from one other thing. I haven't looked at his Hold filmography on. yet, but I'm fairly confident I know him from one thing. Idiocracy. S- no, I haven't Speed
2: seen it. Two.
3: No, it's not <laughs> Speed Two. Uh, <clears throat> it's not Friday. Okay, well, he has a small part in Jackie Brown.
1: Uh, that's not it. No. Okay. You're gonna be like, oh, of course, when I tell you, fire away. Uh, the Dark Knight. He's the prisoner on the boat. Oh right. Fucking yeah. of course.
2: Yeah. Yes. Is he the one that says like we should yeah. blow us up or yeah. No, he's
1: the one who says uh you oh, he's give, like give you, me don't me thing, die, right? yeah, you don't want to die but you don't know how yeah, to take a yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. You can yes. tell them I took it from you. See, Kate,
2: that that scene in that movie, really good.
1: Yeah. That that <laughs> that
2: to me was well acted. That he fit that role well. <laughs> when I think of ruler or president of like the cosmos it seemed, or the found whatever they describe, the foundation of the Interplanetary, whatever. I, I, th- I thought someone would be a little more charismatic. Like, I'm sorry, this guy's the ruler of all these people, and he's he talks like a doorknob.
3: <laughs> Joe Biden's president right now. He? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're keeping the politics off the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was funny though. <laughs> uh, for me, it's the love story. uh... It, it. There's no connection between these two. There's no. There's not even a trace of love. There's definitely an attraction. In one direction.
1: But But, an attraction. It's an attraction. It's not even love
3: in one direction. It's an attraction. It's an attraction. So yeah, yeah, that's a problem for me. Um, All right. Ready for some trivia? Let's do it. Sweet. Uh, The divine language spoken by Lilu was invented by co-writer and director Luc Besson, and further refined by Mila Jovovich, who had little trouble learning and developing it, as she was already fluent in four languages. The language had only 400 words. He and Mila Jovovich held conversations and wrote letters to each other in the language's practice. By the end of filming, they were able to have full conversations in this language.
1: I do actually, uh, I like that detail, and I like when uh, filmmakers actually fully develop languages. Me too. Although James
3: Cameron or, you know. Yes, totally. That's really cool. Uh, Luc Besson wrote the original screenplay when he was in high school. Mm -hmm. He had conceived the story of this movie and invented the world of the movie as a child so he could escape his lonely childhood. He began writing the script when he was 16, though it was not released in theaters until he was 38. Luke Basson wrote the story in high school and made the hero a taxi driver because his own father worked a second job as a taxi driver. He did this to support Luke going to art school. Luke has a taxi driver in almost all of his movies to honor his father.
0: Okay, that's kind of cute. <laughs> I, I knew you oh, You know yeah. I put that true, I yeah. put
3: that in there, I'm like, Sam's gonna like this. And then as you were hating this movie, I'm like, oh Sam's gonna hate this yeah. because it's actually kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, sorry. Um, at the time it was the most expensive uh, movie ever produced outside of Hollywood Uh, the production uh, in uh, it was 80 million dollars US the visual effects budget of the movie was the highest of its time cool Uh, the flying traffic created by the visual effects team at Digital Domain allowed artists to create personalized license plates though never visible in the movie the state slogan printed on all license plate reads New York the fuck you state (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, the fuck you <laughs> said. Yeah, yes, I agree. When Corbin first, first meets Lilu and she starts talking to him in her language, Luc Besson didn't tell Bruce Willis what Mila Jovovich was going to say to him, so Bruce's reactions are real. <laughs> uh, many of the Mangalores aboard the Flost in Paradise can be seen wearing combat goggles. This was a practical solution to hide the actor's eyes, which were visible through the mask, and save money on makeup. Uh.
1: Yeah, uh, We haven't actually, at this point in the show, talked about the fact that there is a place in this... Uh, world called Flossed in
3: Paradise which is just sounds like it was written by a high schooler so there you go <laughs> um, Alejandro Jodorowsky and John Giraud sued Luc Besson after the movie was released claiming it had plagiarized their comic the InCal Gerard sued for 13.1 million euros for unfair competition 9 million euros in damages and interest and 2 to 5 percent of the net operating revenues of the movie Jodorowsky sued for 700,000 euros the case was dismissed in two thousand four on the grounds that only tiny fragments of the comic had been used. And also because Gerard had been hired by Besson to work on the movie before the allegations were made.
1: Hmm. So wait, so the he hired the guy who was accusing him of plagiarism or of whatever it is he's accusing. Yes.
3: Him of? The guy that he hired this guy who worked for him yeah. and then as the movie was going along or after it was released, he sued him. Okay. Yeah, weird. Okay. The
1: timeline doesn't quite add up to me. Yeah. That's all right. That's
3: probably why I was dismissed. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I honestly never noticed this in the movie in the like 15 plus times I've watched this, um, but the hero, Corbin Dallas, and the villain, Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, never meet, nor do they ever communicate with each other in any way. Mm. They are aware of each other. Uh, Corbin used to work for Zorg's company, and Zorg knows that Corbin won the contest but they are unaware of the other's involvement in the main plot. The only time they appear in the same scene together is at the end when Corbin flees towards Floston's hotel hangar while Zorg is just returning from it. They pass, but just miss one another, putting them in the same shot together for just a few frames.
1: That actually... Interesting. I did not even catch that, but that makes sense and is kind of a a strange decision, let's say. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, and the last one, the number five appears in the movie on several occasions. There are five elements. Corbin Dallas's license plate had five points left. Jo- Zorg stops his bomb with five seconds remaining on the timer. And the Mangalore's bomb starts with that same five-second timer. Ruby Rod, near the end of the movie after the alien planet uh, is stopped, says there's a bomb going off every five minutes. And the Doctor, at the end, says that Lilo and Corbin need five more minutes. Ruby Rod's show is at five o'clock. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. That's funny. Uh, Casting What According to the Ultimate Edition DVD, Prince and Michael Jackson were the inspirations for part of Ruby Rod, and both were even considered for the role, with Prince being the first choice. He reportedly declined as he found the costumes too outlandish, and Chris Tucker got the part instead. Tucker claimed that the secrecy around the script was so high that not even he knew how the character was supposed to be played, but the outlandish costumes actually helped him get into character. As a result, many of the reactions of the other actors to his performances were quite genuine.
1: <laughs> that is fine, And the fact that Prince, of all people, called your costume to uh, Atlanta.
3: I know. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman is such a good friend of Luc Besson that he took the part of Zorg without bothering to read the script. Doing this movie solely to repay Besson for partly financing Oldman's movie, Nil by Mouth. Asked in a 2014 interview if he liked the movie, Oldman stated, quote, oh no, I can't bear it, end quote. <laughs> he already explained in 2011, quote, it was me singing for my supper because Luke could come in and partly finance my film. On the movie's cult success, he laughingly commentated, that's the wacky world we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean Renault was the original choice for Corbin Dallas.
1: Makes sense. Another freaking collaboration. Yeah.
3: Elizabeth Berkeley auditioned for the role of Lou, but after the failure of Showgirls, Studios were reluctant to hire her.
1: Yeah, did her career ever recover
3: after that? Not really. She had a slight comeback a, f- a few more years down the line, but yeah, that that movie really fucked her, and it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Fox was considered for the part of Ruby Rod. Kevin Costner was considered for the role of General Monroe. Oh yeah,
1: the one who gets locked in the freezer or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Oh,
3: do um, they? Do they die? Yeah, they don't. Those like. No, they they're at the end.
1: Yeah, which is that's so what I thought. Dead. Okay, I, yeah. I assumed that they died, so when they reappeared, I
2: was like, "What the fuck?" They looked pretty dead in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, but that's uh, true. Pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought the exact same thing. That's yeah. I mean.
3: uh, Julia Roberts was considered for the role of Lulu, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe the correct quote is all around good guy." Mel Gibson.
1: Ah, yes, was considered for the role <laughs> of Corbin that's Dallas. True, both all-round good guy and overall good guy, both acceptable phrasings okay. of the.
2: All around
3: good guy
1: All around good guy Mel Gibson
3: Yeah Uh, All right. closing credits Sam Would you watch this movie again?
1: Not voluntarily
3: Duncan Uh no Yeah you've seen it three times dude You've done your work Yeah no I will not watch this (laughs) movie You put in the work Uh, I definitely would Yeah Would you recommend this movie to friends? No No (laughs) Duncan
2: No No I wouldn't I think I could
1: it might be a conditional thing. Like, if I knew somebody was really into camp, for instance, like, or just wanted something silly and zany, um, maybe. Yeah.
3: Maybe. I, 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 I know who I could recommend this to, and I know situations where I could. Yeah. Sam, the MVP of the film?
1: Uh, we're going to go with Gary Oldman uh, oh. as Zord. Uh, pretty obvious choice for me. Uh, was I? He, my mood was noticeably uplifted every time he was on screen.
2: Dunk. Okay, I'm going to hit you guys with a curveball here. We haven't mentioned him all night. But I really, really enjoyed uh, Vito Cornelius. For some reason Ian I, Holm. Ian for for Holm. some
1: reason, I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. When you were like, we haven't talked about him. I was like, I bet it's Vito. Yeah. It's, got, it's
3: got to be Ian Holm. It's the only
1: character yeah. we yeah, didn't we talk about. Him. We didn't talk about Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, fair enough. I uh, Actually, I mean... He's not one of the parts that I disliked. Um, yeah, yeah. I just right. think
2: he portrays such belief in like what he like what the fifth element is and like these things, and I think that kind of also just helps me get into the world building of what was going on. Mm-hmm.
3: I respect that decision. Cool. I pick Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Uh, recommend a good double feature with this film, Sam. Yeah. Um.
1: As is tradition, I kind of maybe prepared a few, but have one that I've definitely landed on as as the one. Um. So the honestly, the first one the. The film that this reminds me of most is a movie that I've only seen once in theaters that not very many people saw and also got not very good reviews. That's Jupiter Ascending.
3: Oh, that, shit, son.
1: That is, the, that is the movie that this film reminds me of the most. It's a, just a, uh, the Wachowskis directed, uh, wrote and directed sci fi world building epic that I also didn't enjoy. So, it's atrocious. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I figured that if I didn't like that and I didn't like this, maybe there's some overlap there. I don't know. But I can't in good faith recommend it for a good feature. So, <laughs> so that's not my pick. Okay. Um, another one was um, if you do want to go the other direction, a really good sci-fi epic, you can just go watch the original Star Wars. That's... You just go watch A New Hope. That's fine. But the third and final and definite answer for this question for the double feature, um, I think a really good... Double feature for this is the uh the superior nineteen ninety seven sci-fi film that came out this year, and that's uh Men in Black.
3: Oh nice.
1: I think Men in Black strikes a similar tone of kind of uh, silliness with some with some seriousness in there. Okay. Um and it's just reliably more enjoyable.
2: So uh we're gonna go Men in Black.
3: That's a great pick. Duncan.
2: <clears throat> okay, I I thought I had the right movie listed on my thing, but I, I still need your guys' help. It's okay. I originally said Total Recall. Uh-huh. Okay. But the Schwarzenegger one? Okay, but I don't think it's Recall I don't think Total Recall's the movie i Thinking about Is Total Recall*, the one when they use, uh, when they, um, no, it's not. What's the one when they when they predict crime the moment? That's it's not *Schwarzenegger*.
3: Happen? That that's *Minority, Minority report. report*. *Tom, Cruise, right? uh, Tom uh, Cruise*. That's
2: the one I, I would, would recommend. *Minority, Minority Report*. Minority that's a good report. one. You haven't not seen it. *Recall*. No, I haven't. But yeah, I uh, that's Spielberg, right? Um, yeah. 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 So that's what I'll go with. All I was right. also thinking about doing a a a a tri-feature with two movies. Holy shit balls! Both both *Blade Runners*. Oh, sick.
0: Oh, <laughs>
3: fucking hard. Nice. Damn. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, okay, so going with the uh, campiness of this film, um, I thought a good one uh, would be Starship Troopers. Oh, that was good. Okay. Yeah. Um, Very European of you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> going with the uh, Bruce Willis actiony and space, let's do Armageddon. Cool. All right. Uh, but the one I'm actually picking. Is a uh, a obviously much better sci-fi film that I believe has kind of kind of slipped away from the consciousness a little bit until people bring it back up and they're like that was really fucking good. My pick is District Nine.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, the only good movie so that Neil
3: Blomkamp ever made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I love District Nine.
3: District okay, uh, what order? Are you Uh, watching your films? My
1: too. So I chose Men in Black as mine, uh, and I'm definitely finishing with Men in Black to wash the taste of the fifth element out of my mouth. All right.
3: (laughs) Uh, So you're going with Minority Report as your pick? Okay. we're finishing with that. We're starting with the fifth element, finishing with Minority (laughs) Report. Yeah, yeah. it's the same. I'll start with the fifth element and finish with District 9. Um, Sam, what will be this film's legacy? Um, I think this film's legacy is that it's a cult classic sci-fi movie. That's kind of how I
1: understood it to be. Um, Is that maybe... In the area, I
3: would go around there. Yeah, I don't.
1: I mean, I I was not yet one year old when this film got released, so I don't really like. I don't know what the world was like at the time it came out, or what people thought of. Uh, My expectation of this movie is that it was a sci-fi movie, which was not super well received at the time, which has kind of uh, gained in popularity. That was
2: my understanding of it. Hmm. All right, Duncan. I agree, Sam. I think it like a sci-fi. Like the legacy of the film would be like a sci-fi cult classic-y film. Like, again, something that you watch if you just want to be entertained. Uh, one thing I keep seeing a lot in popular culture and stuff is the outfit that uh, Lele wears the first time. Oh, good yeah. call the, for the cosplay. Yeah. So, so for, for mm-hmm. burp on that. But yeah, for cosplay, the legacy for sure will be like the the banded heat band or whatever, the heat things. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. Good,
3: uh, Shit, that is a good one. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think this has much of a legacy. I always, I kind of always bristle at the thought of it being cult. Like it, it did make two hundred and fifty million dollars, so it's not like it was an unknown film. Yeah, For me, cult true. films are like movies that kind of missed at the box office and then gained reputation later.
1: Um, more, Counterpoint: That is worldwide, right? So, I mean, maybe a bit of a cult film in the
3: West. Still, sixty-five million dollars is not yeah. is not an unknown film. Mm-hmm. Um Again, that's that's my own interpretation of what cult means. Yeah. It you know, other hugely popular films could become cult classics. Um just my own kind of idea for it. So but I I, I I agree. The 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 campiness of it has probably allowed people to kind of cling on to it over the years. Um Sam, did you learn anything from this movie? I
2: don't like
1: Luke Basson. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best answer I got for you.
2: Duncan. Uh, I think I have to, what I learned is I have to adjust my barb expectations going into like 90s style of movies, you know, where um, maybe accept an unrealistic factor and then really accept the campiness and like the, the fun around the films. Yep. Like I think what this taught me is that not everything that on the surface has to be serious mm-hmm. and like if I kind of just loosened up a bit during this film, I might have enjoyed it a lot better
3: interesting I like that that's, that's a very good one uh, I learned that the fifth element is love <laughs> that's all I learned I, I didn't there's not much to learn from this movie uh, but I love your guys as well. <laughs> Sam your final thoughts on the fifth element
1: yeah so um I th- I found this to be really disappointing um I had heard lots about this movie I, I like sci-fi as a genre I uh, find myself to be I think open to camp generally <laughs> like I don't need to like totally be lectured at and have it be super serious all the time I've like to think I'm the kind of person who can turn off my brain and have a good time with a silly fun movie, but this just wasn't it for me. I uh, I was not in a position... I was not. I did not put myself in a position to like this movie very much, so it is partially on me, but um, it is just bizarre, and not in a good way most of the time. Uh, the writing is crazy convoluted, and uh, and unfortunately at the times when it is sensical, um, I wish that it didn't make so much sense. <laughs> um, I find Luc Besson's writing style to be... Um, generously um not for me <laughs> um his attitude towards women is painfully clear the uh obviously the mixture of practical and visual effects is uh is outstanding but uh yeah this this was just super super not for me which is sad because from the outside looking in i thought there was a good chance that this may be for me i thought this might be uh something that i was predisposed to like
2: uh, unfortunately it wasn't uh was not
1: really in the cards
3: mm, interesting Duncan, your final thoughts?
2: Uh, similar to Sam, uh, I thought this movie on the surface was going to be for me. Like, I I really thought I was going to enjoy it more than I initially did. Um, it was very average uh, after watching it. Bizarre is a good way to describe it as well, but it's, like, bizarre to me is, like, not average, but it's, like, averagely bizarre. Like, it's, like, <laughs> what that could be, could mean, um... Yeah, I just, I, I just think it's, uh, it's fine to be entertained, but my film, my last thing thoughts are underwhelmed and um, indifferent. <laughs>
3: oh, This rewatch was a bit of a letdown for me. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up uh, enjoying this movie, and by grow up, I mean from my twenties. Throughout my 20s, I watched this movie numerous times, always thoroughly enjoyed it. I was looking forward to this rewatch and was sadly kind of let down uh, this time around. So I still had a really good time. Uh, I'm very sad that the both of you didn't. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can rectify that soon. Um, but yeah, this, was, this didn't quite hold up as well as I, I was hoping, and uh, that makes me sad. So it's time to give this movie a rating. Sam, start us off.
1: Rip off the Band-Aid. Uh, it's a two for me. Uh, don't find myself revisiting this one. Um, yeah, let down, but away she goes.
3: Duncan.
2: Uh, for me, it's a three out of five. Um, <laughs> I, um, like, it's like I don't want to do a half point, like a two and a half, you know? Hey, well, and, but, well, and you can't. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so for me, this I enjoyed it too much to be my average two so therefore it's a three but it's like on the bottom of my threes uh on the contrary to what sam said i would rewatch this movie again but similar to like the suicide squad my sentiment is that like if a friend of mine wanted to watch this film i would sit down with him and watch it you know but i wouldn't be the first i wouldn't pick it off this list of of shell or shelf of a movie to watch but if you said duncan i want to watch this fifth element will you sit through with me the answer every time is going to be yes. Yeah. That's,
1: that is a good point and I'll at least piggyback off that to say like re-watching a bad movie is not torturous for me. Like it might not be the most enjoyable thing but like if one of my good friends I'm, I'm the same way if one of yeah. my good friends was like yo yeah, I really want to watch the fifth element want to watch it with me like I'd probably watch it. Yeah I'd be
0: like, I'd be like
2: sure. Yeah.
3: I don't know if I could sit through another sitting of The Flash. Yeah. Or, or Fast X. I just don't think I could do it. Not, <laughs> not
2: with the three of us you wouldn't sit through Fast X again. Am I allowed to talk? We could, oh we again? Could, so again. you you've seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like you would be. I've, of course, I've seen it. <laughs> it would be a it would be a rewatch for me and you, and we could we could chat a little bit. Honestly, like. I don't
1: mind talking during movies as long as it's kind of, like, predetermined this is what the vibe is going to be. And I've, also, like, it's a movie that I don't really care about anyway. So if I'm, like, if I miss one of Vin Diesel's lines about family, like, I'm not going to be too upset. Yeah, I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can handle
3: Fast X again.
2: Would you Would you be able to watch The Flash over Fast X again? I, I, can almost, I can't sit through The Flash again. I, I can't I can. sit through either one of those again.
3: Yeah. I, l- I don't think I could sit through a one movie again. Wow. Without being, like, forced. There's one movie I've given a one to that I I know that I'm going to watch again. Because when I get a copy of Ghost Can't Do It, you're coming over and watching <laughs> it. And I'm I, wa- I can't wait. And I'm working on it. It's, you are it, working on it? Yeah, it's, uh, le- awesome. it's left streaming and I'm fucking devastated.
1: Oh, it's not on there anymore, hey?
3: No. Wow. But I'm working on things. And I'm going to have I'm you over. And we're going to fucking watch it. You're going to have to.
1: Man, Manny, what's your rating of? Uh, of it's, it's, a it's a three.
3: It's a, yeah, it's a
2: three. three. Yeah,
3: nice. It's a three. It, it's a pretty easy three. I, I won't lie, going in, it was a four, like an easy four. Going in, I was like, oh, I, I like I pretty much like wrote it down. I'm like four, and then I watched. I was like <laughs> three, three. Yeah. So yeah, it's that. Um, Sam, what's next week?
1: Uh, next week uh is episode two hundred eighty eight. It's funny, I wrote down episode two hundred eighty eight for next week, and I did not write down the movies. So that's... Oh. that's Great job, me. I've already You already forgot? You already forgot? Yeah. It's I mean, Jackie Brown again. Jackie Brown, right? I mean, we did talk about that like five hours ago, but yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Jackie Brown is going to be episode two eighty eight. Attempt number two. Yeah, at attempt Brooke. number two. We tried to schedule it uh, once before and it didn't work out. Uh, is it just going to be the two of us? Just two. Just two of us. Cool. Yep, yep, Jackie yep. Brown, episode two eighty eight.
3: Have you seen Jackie Brown? I have not. Have any you watched years? a lot of Tarantino?
2: I have also not. Oh yeah. Um, like Tar- any I watched Pulp Fiction Sweet uh, Kill Bill 1 Okay But not enough Like I don't remember well enough To tell you about it And then after that Hateful Eight Okay And then I, I, At that point I, I need you to tell me Where Tarantino uh, films my,
1: my favorite movie of all time Is Inglorious Bastards
2: I have not seen that No yeah. Okay Reservoir
3: Dogs Not seen it Django Unchained Yes Seen it uh, Death
2: Proof once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, right. I have seen that one. Okay, so you've yeah. seen about
3: half of his films.
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I like them enough to be like I think he's a great filmmaker. I don't have any critiques, harsh okay. critiques. I wonder who your favorite filmmaker would be, Michael Bay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So probably. <laughs> 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 uh, but if I had to really pick one that I really like, <clears throat> I think Christopher Nolan is probably my favorite. Oh, okay. Filmmaker. Fair. <laughs> nice thing. Right, in
1: spite right. of the fact that you couldn't sit through Oppenheimer.
2: Yes, but then like thinking about like uh, what like conception right prestige. Yep. Uh, what's the other big Interstellar, one? Interstellar. Interstellar. Like,
1: Batman trilogy.
2: Yeah, like all like all of those trilogy, like right. like Dunk Dunkirk is incredible, like all that shit. Um, Oppenheimer, I am gonna sit through. Yeah. It was kind of like this for you. Like I feel like maybe the the mood you are in watching this film, you might have wanted to turn it off if it wasn't for the podcast. Like if 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 Oppenheimer was a movie we we're discussing today. I would have sucked it up the other night and done it, sure. but I just wasn't in the mood to sit through something like that.
1: You, uh, you also name-dropped Memento earlier, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. I oh, cool. love that shit. Yeah. Love yeah. that
1: movie. All
3: right. So, big thank you, Duncan, for coming on. Dude, oh, killed Man. it again. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Killed it again. Loved having you. We'll have you on again real soon. Yes. If not please. real soon, then we'll do it in the summer after you're done uh, exams.
2: Yeah. Pl- yeah, please. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I would love that. I, I I think it'd be really funny to get a film where we all are are like uh, different than how we view it. Yep. I thought tonight was going to be that night where I was going to be the one with this pessimistic view of I this film. I thought it was going to be that too. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you both were going to tell me this was like a five out of five, and I was going to sit here and be like, "Explain that to me." <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yes. No. While but... I'm disappointed that didn't come to pass, what we got
1: I thought was pretty fun too. So.
3: I I honestly did not know that you hadn't seen this before, and and I. Fucking love that you picked a movie you hadn't seen. Like that's really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I fucking loved it. I mean,
2: I'll come back for Batman Robin and whatnot, but I I oh, love yeah. to do films that I haven't seen again. Sure. I think it's awesome.
1: I think yeah, we should uh, pick some pick some good ones moving forward that we don't think Duncan has seen. I so. would
2: my, my request I maybe mean, this should us off air, but I would really like to review with you guys uh, the Last of the Mohicans. Oh
1: dude, I would love to redo Last of the Mohicans. Are you kidding me? That yeah. was one that we did. Very early on, yeah. Uh, like literally, the first 50. Just because,
2: like, you 15. know what it means to Manny, and I think yeah. it'd be cool to like uh, experience it for the first time, a. But then, like, talk to you both about it because I think it'd be really cool.
1: I uh, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. Uh, Episode 40. Episode 40. Yeah. Um. I'll be straight up with you. I didn't really um fully get The last of the Mohicans first time I saw it, but that's six years ago now. So cool. Um. I would I would happily happily do a rewatch. It's been. Been in the in the works. <laughs> look at look at Manny's face right now. He's going fuck. We're gonna have to do Last of Mohicans because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he knows it would warm his cold, bitter little heart to oh, do it. <laughs> it would make me very happy.
3: <laughs> we'll find
2: we'll yeah. find a movie. Hey, no, no know, pressure. But yeah, thank you both for having me back on. Oh, don't no, do that. Uh, awesome. It a pleasure. Buddy. Tons of laughs. Um, love the insights. Hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get this you on great. for
1: one. Hopefully that you enjoy next time. <laughs> hey, little game we got you on for Warrior. Warrior was yeah, pretty Warrior's awesome.
2: Pretty don't get me wrong. Warrior incredible. Um, but you know, I, I do enjoy watching films I don't love because it forces me. Like I had to look at this film in a different way to find things I enjoyed, which I think is a refreshing exercise to do. So, I I do get joy out of reviewing movies I don't love. You so. do
1: you do definitely uh, learn something about film and get something out of yeah. uh, something you don't. Enjoy. Totally. Can I just totally. can I also just say about the warrior thing? Uh, Manny and I have talked uh, off air I think a couple times about the moment in that warrior episode where you said something along the lines of uh, the scene where Nick Nolte is drunk in the hotel room. Oh, y- And yeah. you said something like, um, that's the first time that Tommy realized he doesn't like his dad better drunk. And both of us just went, oh, "Yeah, that's I, I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think about that moment. Yeah, often. Yeah. Was like, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Same
2: actually. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you know, we're going to go throw yeah. myself off in the bag. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that was cool. But yeah, anyway,
1: uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for that. And, uh, I mean, we're getting late. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll sign off pretty quick here and, and get us out there. Yeah.
3: Uh, thank you. Uh. Oh, my God. I'm fucking dying here. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it helps increase the profile of our podcast, allows more people to find us, which we greatly appreciate. You can also give us a rating on Spotify. And while you're on Spotify, answer our weekly question. I promise I'll read your answer on air the following week. You can follow us on Instagram and thread at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You had to say something? No. Oh, oh, it sounds like you are about to say something. No. Um you can follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. You can email us at sammaniemoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Sam Reimer, Manny42, and the Movie Guy Dunk.
2: Movie Guy Dunk. Movie that's Guy
3: correct. Dunk. Yeah, wicked. Awesome. Uh, so for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I am a pop skull. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios. Listen, I know you're very tired. I know you're very
4: tired. I'll take you on a vacation when we're done, I swear. A real vacation. A real vacation. Just you and me. But listen to me, if you don't do something right now, we're all gonna die. You understand?
5: What's the use of saving life when you see it?
0: You do it.